1: WA, my name's Sean Kelly. This is the World Football Programme. Thank you very much to Frank and Jerry for another wonderful Celtic ramblings. If anyone knows anything about rambling, it's those two boys. (laughs) Um, They're they're top fellas. Joining me in the studio is when only the best will do. Hughie Best. Good morning, Hugh. How are you?
2: Morning, Sean. Morning, listeners. How are you? Yeah, no, yes, yeah. that's, that's true enough. That's why the uh, the theme tune went on a little bit longer. We were rambling to the uh, to the lads there.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, look, and, we, and also we've had to do with our COVID compliance stuff. Yes, we've we had did. To, to to log in. We've had to put our own personal socks on the mics, and yeah. you know, very COVID friendly environment. But you know, look, it's out there. It's to keep us all safe. And as much as it's caused us some problems in our sport, and probably no more so than the glory when we talk to tony about that later on um but look it's it's tragic we've had our first covid death in the community um and you know for a
2: while anyway we had a couple yeah but this is
1: the first one that's been a community transmission that's you know there's over east Last week, last couple of weeks, it's been 100 a day. Um, you know, no one wants to be at that level. All righty, on today's show, we're going to start off with Derek Pollock and we're going to follow up with a lot of the action in the EPL. A mm-hmm. um, bit going on just there, did, yeah. particularly if you're a pet lover. Um, Tony Sage is going to join <laughs> us just after that with... Um,
2: well, we, hope. Uh, we We we
1: had Tony lined up last week. But Tony, was, Tony was was not too well last week. Oh, hope he's a lot, uh, hope he's a lot better this yeah. week. Um, and we'll talk to him a, a, a bit about what it, what it is to be you know involved in the glory this year. And I, I can't th- th- you talk about an annus horribilis. Um, this is it really for him. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. he's he's been through an awful lot with this club, mm. and
2: I can't I can't think of a, a year that's been worse. <clears throat> no, but, well, the only one that comes near it was last year, and that was pretty poor. Uh, was yeah. A, that was a horrible year, but, uh, yeah. yeah. But
1: having said that, there's there's a lot of silver linings out there, you know, 17-year-old um, as a captain. Um, Ooh. Yeah, Andy
2: Keogh came off. Yeah, well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now those that know me know my views on Mr Keogh and I'll, I'll leave it at that um, 150 games mate coming no, no, up on I, it I, yeah. I, there's no doubting his yeah. talent there's absolutely no doubting his talent I, I, and I won't go <laughs> into it uh,
1: and then we'll, we'll follow up with um, Goran Stajic who was at Rockingham last year yep. this year he's at Subi, t- really top guy good coach um, but you know even more so a wonderful human being so we'll talk to him mm-hmm. and then we'll finish off with Simon Hicks who's one of your mob but we won't hold that against him oh, but <laughs> he is the he is the gm out at red star and there's a uh, red star perth red star is a an interesting story yeah. and i want to talk to him about how the amalgamation happened and and some of the the background stuff because having been involved in club name changes and changes of culture yes. um, there's a lot of stuff in the governance side of it with you um, with the way it's done you know you, you can't do these things without Um, changing your constitution and constitutional change isn't easy. Um, And then, you know, you look at the internet at the moment, there's
2: a lot of people out there who appear not to be happy. But you always get that. We'll we'll get the inside inside scoop on on what happened there. Yeah, it was... I mean, we've we've known for a while that it makes uh, sense. No, no don't get me wrong. Looking for it, a, uh, a a venue and, and an alignment that would get them into NPL compliancy, but uh, this one just came. Yeah, out but good. there's
1: also that financial aspect for them, yes. which was really killing them. Um, and it Ooh, makes as sense. A standalone
2: female club. Yes, it makes
1: sense that the the two probably the the two best developers and most recognised developers of youth in to, transitioning oh, yes. into transitioning yes. into professional football made an amalgamation. That that yep. made perfect sense. What I don't and personally, what I don't see is why they had to kill their IP in the process and bring up something brand new. But Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Well,
2: again, we've got the
1: man. Yeah, yeah. I'll talk we've got to the him man anyway. The line. He's up. We've anyway, out. in local news last night was the night series. Yep. Um, Floria, 2 1 winners over Bayswater. Um, Gwellup went down 2 1 to the, the Red Stars. Although I see in, in all the Football West stuff, there's still ECU Joondalup. That's right, yeah. It did, um, it did come up
2: as ECU
1: Joondalup. Yeah, it did. Um, that means a well up are out of the night series now. Um, tonight we've got Perth versus Armadale, and Sterling Lions who are unbeaten against the Perth Glory who are I've got, unbeaten. I've got
2: Perth versus Massey's.
1: Sterling Massey's, yeah. Oh,
2: okay.
1: Yeah, Sterling Macedonia. Yeah, I know you only stick with one word because that's all you can remember at a time. But <laughs>
2: <laughs> get on, you. No, I've just gone back to the to the. Yeah. Um, Football West website. So, yeah, it says ECU June up SC, but the logo is the Perth Red Stars logo. Yeah, I know. So, why could you not change the name if you could change the logo? It, yeah. You know, I'm no internet guru, but I would have thought the name would have been the easiest one to change rather than the logo. Oh, the logo's easy
1: enough. You can cut and paste it off their website. <laughs> <laughs> um, then, Divi, Divi 1 and 2 night series, you had Subiaco 1, Olympic 3. Yep. Knights 3, Fremantle 1, Swan 1, Morley 3, and Belger
2: and Dunlop City in a 1 all draw. Yep, and we've got some games tonight, which is um, Mum f- taking on Canning City and Gosnells taking on Forestfield. That's at uh, Crazy Domain Stadium uh, from 5 o'clock. And in the other group, we've got Queens versus Kingsley Westside and Dunlop United versus Wanneroo City, and that's at Wanneroo. Wanneroo's ground, so Wanneroo City's ground, Wanneroo A, it's listed
1: there. Yeah, and uh, great football's ramping up. It's uh, a good time here, and we're still able to play football, which is a good thing for us. Yes. Um, talking about that, there is also um, the Club World Cup is today.
2: Oh, I, I've just taken that page off. Gee we should. Chelsea versus Palmeiras. Yeah, I yes, know. I so like the test you're out, I've mate. I've got it written down, so uh, yeah. th- those that... Uh, are interested? It's Chelsea versus Palmeiras, so uh, yeah. one of my more favoured uh, uh, Brazilian teams. I've got the Club de Romo shirt on. I was going to get my Palmeiras shirt. Uh, out. You've
1: always been been fond of a Brazilian.
2: And they're going to be playing. Uh, uh, oh, what uh, time is that? Oh, we'll find out. That is no, there's no time there. So oh, thirteen, thirteen hundred. One o'clock. About, yeah, one o'clock. Mm. Okay, so that's on. Uh, that's the third place playoff between Al Hilal and Al Ali. Um, and how they got there Was uh, in the semi-final Chelsea just got through 1-0 against Al-Hilal And Palmeiras did it a bit easier 2-0 over Al-Ali um, No other really major uh, Results there uh, First round was on the 3rd of February Which had Al-Jazeera 4 Piare 1 The second round Al-Ali 1 beat Monterey of Mexico 0 And uh, Al-Halal 6-1 over Al Jazeera in the second round. Semi-finals as we went through. And then, of course, we've got the final and the third-place playoff uh, later on today. The final is on Sunday, I think. Maybe on later on today. I'm just trying to double-check that one, but it's not there coming up. But there, that's who's playing, Chelsea and Palmyra. So, um, again, it's a competition that that has a, a, a great deal of prestige. To it, but not a great deal of publicity to it, which is really really odd. It uh, used to be held in uh, Yokohama in, in Japan, yeah. um, and the Japanese, with their COVID uh, situation uh, last year, said, "Yeah, no thanks." Yeah, which uh, which had some serious uh, ramifications for the tournament because there was the the scuttlebutt that it may die very very quick and. And, and oh, I'm
1: sure someone would take it up somewhere. There's always Qatar or someone like that yep. would go, yep, we'll
2: have it. And it's one of the... Well, it, it's the only uh, major trophy that Chelsea have yet to win. So hmm. they've got another one that they can put on that... If you've seen yeah, that, I that, was that re- post reading, thing where they've won everything, it's like, well... You- I was reading
1: Michael the <laughs> they, they were in the final, not so long back, and they got beat uh, in that. And I, one of the players from that squad is still there, and he's going, you know, we didn't take it seriously. And, yeah. and these... And he, he's there for the second time. he's It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Well, for you, it's twice <laughs> number. But, but But the thing is, he's right. It is, it is. a very, very special thing. Yeah. And, and whether or not it's a Mickey Mouse competition or whether you think it's not that important, you, very, very few people get to be in that. There's only one squad of players a year that yep. win that, you know. Right. Um, and then when you look at it, very rarefied atmosphere, Real Madrid, Liverpool, yep. um, Chelsea.
2: Yeah, the, Santos. Yeah. There's, United have done yeah, it a couple of times. Palmeiras. Miami, there's, you, know, you, you name a club. Lost
1: Boys. There's, there's a whole range of those clubs that are in the upper echelons in the world. That's right. So, and you and know, that's why
2: it's the World Club Championship. You, yeah. you're the, you're the, you are recognised as the best club side in the world. Yeah. And
1: you're not just representing your club, you're representing the entire region.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, so Chelsea have come through because they are the European uh, champions. And then you've got <coughs> Palmeiras are the South American champions. Yeah. Then you've, you've got the Asian and the African champions. Yep. So all Everybody's involved in it. And, and really, it's, yeah, to go into that sort of half or treating it as a jolly, that's that's not on really for professional yeah, sportsmen. It, it,
2: it's strange that... Yeah. Um, I don't know whether it's strange or not, but just the the format of that competition, that uh, the lesser confederations are knocked out in the first round. I mean, we all remember when... um, Fair enough, but post glory get to play... They play one game and see you later. Yeah, but you
1: get to... In, in real competition, active competition, how could someone like a Sydney, um, Sydney FC or Perth Glory get to play against Man United or Chelsea or yeah. in an co- actual competitive well, fixture? You've got to win the uh, Asian Championship. I know that. So, so yeah, yeah.
2: We, we did have the Western Sydney Wanderers in there yeah. when they were champions of Asia. But
1: um, And one last thing in, in world news is that um, Man United made two big signings. Oh, here we go. Uh, Christian Ronaldo. Yeah, yeah. And, and and another lad named Kai Rooney, both juniors, both 12-year-olds. So the, you know, <laughs> son, Christian, Christian, Miao, so, so, so Christian Ronaldo Jr., got, <laughs> got the number seven shirt. That's it. Yeah, Kai Rooney also signed from. him. He scored four goals in his debut in the 12s. Um, and it look, they, they have a, a history of signing the, the the sons of former players, um, Harry Neville played yep. for him before he went over and played Miami with his dad, yep. and um, Charlie Savage made his debut not so long back. So um,
2: it's good to see the kids coming through. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, 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 it, um, yeah. It's well, it just makes decent sense. They don't have a father son rule over there, but uh, you know, red for life is the is the call depending what uh, what colour. Uh, red you're talking
1: about yeah exactly oh look and I think it's it's um we talk about the development of football and yes I know that they're um they're very famous fathers played for the club but you know it's good to see it coming through yep. all right so we're gonna go a break because we're biting into Derek's time and we'll be back on the other side of this break with Derek Pollock so we'll be back in a moment oh, don't
3: relax I want and
4: babies.
1: Oswest Fencing and Royal Tine is a fourth generation family business. Bring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Roy Call us on 9258 6822. Station sponsor.
4: Now I believe he's gonna work me into the ground. I
3: pull to the left, I
1: You're listening to Community Radio, powered by passionate football volunteers, just like myself. You can appreciate the entertainment by becoming a station member. Hi, I'm Phil Kelly,
5: Chair of the Football West Men's State League Standing Committee. Listen in next for Western Australian Local Football News.
1: We're back in the room and joining us now on the line is our EPL specialist in Derek Pollock. Derek, good morning. How are you? <laughs> yeah, good. Thank you, guys. How are you, guys? Good, mate. Yourself? Good, good New Year and Chrissy and all that?
4: Yeah, no, very good. Thank you. Very good. It's been far too long.
1: And, and the, the growing family, the ever-growing family, mate? <laughs>
6: Uh, yeah yeah no the the little one's almost four months now so it's it's
1: wow. it's crazy how quickly time goes. Oh I tell you you you'll blink and you'll be asking for the car keys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, um, Christmas, New Year, transfer period in in the EPL, a lot happening. Um, you know they're they're doing a terrific job getting the season going despite COVID mm. and teams having players missing from time to time, but. Um, mm. The transfer period was interesting. Um, for me as a West Ham fan, I'm thinking they're going to buy someone and then they didn't. And you're going, oh, geez, why not? Um, but then there's been some interesting some interesting moves. Who do you think's done the best deal? Uh, well,
6: I mean, Newcastle managing to get players uh, has been probably going to have to go down to the best deal, surely, because... Um, you know, they were just looking totally inept Ooh. And looking like, really, you know They were going to be the richest team in the championship Without a doubt, um, next season <laughs> Has that changed? But, uh, but you know, but they've they've got some players in now And they um, yeah. taking Chris Wood off Burnley um, Yeah, look, look, that could be Could be beneficial He also sort of suits the way they're trying to play football So I think he's a good signing And um, Bruno Gumarash, if he can come on board And, and actually perform quickly If he can adapt quickly Yeah um, yeah, that we that will be massive. I mean, and you know, that people have sort of often said that um, Liga is one of the easier leagues to adapt to the Premier League from because yeah. it's quite fast, it's quite physical. So, yeah. So, I mean, that fine, that, that bodes well rather, and they're out of the relegation zone now at the moment. So, yeah, possibly Newcastle, although Aston Villa definitely going to have a good shout of the best window as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was quite interesting that them getting Felipe Coutinho. I thought that you know. Um Stevie, Stevie G went, hey, mate, do you want to come play for me? And he's gone, yeah, straight over there. and Yeah,
2: but that's, that's just the loan deal, isn't it? That, that's not permanent.
1: No, no, the Barcelona want him off the books. Yeah, I know that. They want, they want $34 million for him. Yeah. I think they'll settle for around about 25 just to get him off the books. Yeah, Villa don't have that money. No, they'll renegotiate a deal.
2: Oh.
6: So, well, I, mean, I think Villa do have that money. They have, um, they've got billionaire Chinese owners and they have... So and immense wealth from Premier League coming in every year. So, I mean, don't I think, forget, um, some,
1: someone else paid them £100 million yeah, for, yeah. A, for an absolute dud.
2: Yeah. West Brom have got billionaire Chinese owners. We can't yeah. afford anybody. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not privy to the Aston Villa uh, financials, but uh, they were doing it really, really I would really think, I would think they'd be priced.
1: reinvesting some of the Jack Grealish money, though.
2: Well, that was to cover yeah, some, some of the debts to get into the Premier yeah. League. They were, they were running at uh, £175 for every £100 coming through the ticket box on wow. wages alone when they got promoted. Yeah. They they, well, they didn't sell the farm, but they, they need to get some cash back in. I don't think they've got the money to buy Coutinho. continue. it mm. be interesting because I, I think that at the moment
1: it, the Barcelona will be up for a cut-price deal on him.
2: Oh, they're up for a cut-price deal on, on, yeah. on all their players, which is why Messi went to PSG yeah. you know, against his wishes. He didn't want to leave, but uh, Barcelona... Yeah, financially, or a basket case.
1: I thought um, Everton didn't do too bad. I mean, they they got um, Dali, and they also picked up Van Beek. Yeah, and I thought that you know, despite his dress sense, on his <laughs> <laughs> he got cut, cut some some grief for that. I, I think um, Dali will be a good player for them if, if he can, you know, gel yeah. with the team. So, do you have any? Uh, yeah, that- sorry, Derek. I was going to
2: oh, ask you. Do you have any no, you- side as to why he would have? Uh, would have left Spurs. I mean, I thought he was... The Spurs he was on fight. the outer. Yeah, but yeah. why? Oh, Deli yeah.
6: No, Deli has been... Um, Deli Alli was sort of one of the... Oh, uh, Pochettino called him the best young, best player in the world under 21 several years ago. Um, but then if you look at sort of... Um, if you look back with the benefit of... I mean, with the benefit of hindsight, of course, but towards the end of Pochettino's reign at, um, at Spurs, um, Deli Alli's fall was very much on the wane. Um, and since then, they've had was it three managers who just haven't fancied him at all. Yeah. Um, and when Mourinho comes in and throws him under the bus, you get you, it's very easy to strike that off as, well, this is obviously the the you know the young player that Mourinho has chosen to throw under the bus this time. You know, yeah. it was Luke Short United, it was someone else at Real Madrid. Um, but then when um, when he goes and when Espirito Santo comes in, gives him a go, then he falls out of favour very very quickly. And then um, Conte comes in also very, very quickly, you know, it starts to become a bit of a trend. And maybe, he just hasn't been sort of correctly perceived by any of those managers that maybe Frank Lampard will get something out of him, quite possibly. But, you know, it's been a long, long, long time between drinks um, for, for Deli Ali in terms of good performances. So, yeah, you can see why Spurs wouldn't mind having 75, 80, I don't know how much he's on, but probably 80,000 a week That's off the it. wage bill and, you know, letting him go somewhere else and just not being a fuster in the team. Um, and then van de, Beek, van de Beek is obviously the um, the other interesting one where you think, um, you know, it's now a couple of United managers that haven't fancied him. I wonder what's happening there. Um, if he if he performs like he did at, at Ajax, it will be a phenomenal signing. Oh, that's right. But, yeah. It, yeah, it depends.
2: Well, what about um, Kurt Zuma? So, um, he's gone from West Ham yeah. to Leicester. So just to... Give Sean that oh, look at that pain look on his face. He's
1: not happy. Oh no! Look, I'm, I, I, I just I just find it very interesting. I mean, there's obviously there's a lot of pet lovers in the UK and around the world, and they're all quite happy that he loses his job over this. And I think it's all a bit too much. Um, there was a couple, I mean, uh, um, there's a couple of MMA fighters. Who have both threatened to to turn him into a pretzel and, and kick him around, and and people have not only condoned that and said yeah go go do it, they've also said for for good measure throw Michael Antonio in the pile as well. And you're going hang on a second, What's he, he wasn't even involved. What's he done? And, and we're, we're, okay. we're we're totally against violence oh. against an animal, but but violence against another human being absolutely wonderful. You know, <laughs> the, no no.
2: Eden Hazard kicked a ball boy and it wasn't as much fuss. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and that was horrendous. That was. Yeah. yeah.
6: Yeah. I definitely feel that, yeah, the, the, um, the reaction to the Zimmer incident has been, in my opinion, I um, mean, look, I mean, all, full disclosure, I haven't seen a video yet, so I mean, maybe it's way more horrific than I uh, have imagined, but it definitely feels um, significantly overblown. Um, and with the English press, um, right. I mean, like, I don't want to cast assertions, but um, a young black player doing something usually attracts a much worse reaction than if say Harry Kane did it for example and Mickal Antonio I think when he came out and what he said was was, was pretty bang on where you know we're getting players who are racially vilified on a regular basis and it's it's a bit of a slap on the wrist, so try not to do that again. Yeah. Than, and then the, as I said, this one suddenly, it's like, let's just bury the guy. Yeah, it definitely feels a little uncomfortable, I've seen, um, the reaction to it.
1: I've seen the video. Um, the drop kick is, is nowhere near as bad as people try and make it sound out. And I'm not condoning it. I think what he did was horrendous, um, but it was a soft drop kick. Um, someone the size of Kurt Zuma who kicks a ball for a living could have could have really drilled that cat and, and killed it, to be honest. Yeah. Um, <coughs> The fact that he didn't, it doesn't make it any better. But he's, you know, yeah. obviously the RSP are investigating. They've taken the pets off of him, and we let due process go through. the The French um, government or the French legal authorities are saying that they could actually imprison him for that. And these are all consequences that he would have to face. There's been plenty of other pr- uh, players gone to prison. Uh, I'd go back as far as um, Tony Adams, who got done for drink driving, and then you know end up playing for for Arsenal again. Jermaine Pennant, there's yeah, you know, even played with a tag on his on his leg. At one stage mm-hmm. for Birmingham. Um, so there's, there's been lots of players who've, who've done things that aren't right. I, I think the only person in Britain that's actually happy about Kurt Zuma taking all go. the spotlight is Mason Greenwood.
2: Oh, I, I <laughs> yeah. you going to say Boris. <laughs> no, no,
1: Mason Greenwood must, must, be, must be laughing his socks off because, I mean, he only raped and killed, or nearly killed his girlfriend and that's, yeah, you know, that's, that's not as important yeah. as kicking a cat.
2: Anyway, let's get back on some <laughs> uh, transfer rumours. Uh, Arsenal. Arsenal have signed uh, US keeper Matt uh, Turner from the uh, New England Revolution. I mean, he was uh, MLS goalkeeper of the year last season. What What is that going to say to uh, Ramsdale and uh, Burnt Leno? I mean, Leno...
6: Well, I mean, I feel Ber- Bernd Leno's on the way out anyway. Yeah. He, um, that's, yeah. That was the reason they bought Ramsdale and was because Burnt Leno basically said to them, look, I'm out of the contract at the end of next season. I'm not signing another one. Um, let, let, me, let you get me out of here kind of thing. And then so they signed... Ramsey in to replace him, and then I, I imagine they're they're expecting Leno to go and yeah get the new keeper in as um, opposed to um, you know as opposed to Leno. But I think um, for Arsenal the the more worrying concern is um, letting all these strikers go without anyone coming in. <laughs> and <laughs> so you know they've got Inciedad and Lacazette who are both out of contract at the end of the season. Inciedad who hasn't scored a Premier League goal in in almost two years, um, and they're they're the two strikers that are supposed to. Push them into the top four, yeah. Which, you yeah. uh, know, without any other competitions, you know, Lacazette could, as long as he stays fit, could do it by himself because the lack of games will mean that you know he can do that. Um, but yeah, it's definitely. I mean, I, I get why they'd want to get Aubameyang off when you've you've got a player who's causing that much, uh, that many issues, I should say. And you can save twenty five million Euro, um, pound rather by just cutting cutting him. Then okay, do it. But yeah, but you, you would have liked to have thought they would have bought another striker in.
1: Yeah, I look I think the money side of it is is a tiny little part of it. I think the damage that he causes in the dressing room um and and the club culture is is actually more damaging than the cash value. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I mean but saving
6: 25 million pounds as well as getting rid of a uh, a problem in the dressing room is probably yeah, know, a bit you, of a win-win. But
1: you've got to you then got to buy somewhere else and I, and I know they've been sniffing around um Sacco so there's um It'd be interesting to see what they do, because um, he also comes with a lot of issues. So,
2: <laughs> so Derek, what can you tell us about uh, Louis Diaz? Porto to Liverpool for an initial fee of $37.5 million. I mean, that's put a bit of pressure on him.
6: Yeah, on, on, well, I mean, transfer fees have been inflated $37.5 million these days is not what it once was. Um, <laughs> yeah, Harry, Harry Maguire went for 80. Um, so, yeah. so, <laughs> <Okay>. but, uh,
1: <laughs> there's still an awful but, uh, lot though,
6: Diaz it? definitely seems, though... Oh, it's a lot of money, but not, yeah. not if you're Liverpool. Um, Luis Diaz definitely seems a bit of a... Um, let's look like at Jota when they brought him in to try and... Can he help now? And then can he also be the future? And that's very much what Diaz yeah. should be because um, Mane and um, Salah are both out of contract at the end of this next season and Salah hasn't signed a new one yet and right. apparently wants more money than allegedly wants more money yeah, than 300k Liverpool yeah. are willing to yeah. pay mm.
1: yeah
2: which how much sorry? Yeah, he's uh, it's been initially reported he's, he's after 300 i i heard you went 5 500,
1: 500k 500 500? yeah
6: well, uh, i heard so we're all this is at this point so, so uh, three and five. Golly, well
1: golly. you know what they say if you pay peanuts you get monkeys if you pay cashews you get greedy monkeys
6: yeah <laughs> but, but yeah uh, in the day salah is is what you could possibly consider to be the single best player um, in the world at this point in time on form. Uh, so,
1: yeah, if he was, his nation would have done better in the African yeah. Nations Cup, wouldn't they, <laughs> you know? If he would have made the difference. Yeah,
6: uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, think, I don't subscribe I M- massively to that belief, given Messi didn't win anything with Argentina until very recently. Yeah. And I would never have doubted him as being the single best player in the world during his peak.
1: Yeah, no, Mendy would, certainly was the better player in the African final, I think.
6: Yeah, but I mean, uh, yeah, but I mean, he still got them to the final um, yeah, in a yeah. team that wasn't massively south-studded. So I'll give him that. Yeah, yeah, <coughs> and then, at yeah. the end of the day, you know, Ronaldo and Messi are both showing that you can you can play on until uh, quite a late age. So his his, his age isn't too much of a
1: concern.
2: Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Um, I see Wolves have uh, spent some cash to get uh, Korean Huang hee Chan. I've never, that's easy for you to say It was I don't even think I've pronounced it <laughs> uh, I would imagine that the stunned silence on the other end of the line there Derek you, you know about as much of him as I do
6: Was, was he not the player Is he a different Rangu Chan to the player they got at the start of the
2: year? Uh, he signed her from RB Leipzig uh, on the on the 26th hmm.
6: was, was was that oh, maybe because they had a Rangu Chan at the start the season I thought that was him who maybe was alone and they made permanent or did they sign oh, a different player? Oh
2: that's what's happened yes of course it is yes
6: Yes, he's quite a good player, he's very quick, quite built, very physical. Um, yeah, very very good player.
2: Okay, it's just because it's Wolves, and quite frankly, as a West Brom fan, I wouldn't even spend the, the time to spit on them if I had the chance. So. Well, I'm finding you. anyone that's not Portuguese <laughs> is, is always uh, a bit of a double take.
1: <laughs> I'm just surprised you get hear the word Wolves out of your mouth, actually. Yeah, you. that well, was yeah. I'm not allowed to use Dingles on air
2: anymore.
1: <laughs> 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 All right, so Derek, um, looking at the, the top four, um, you know, you, you've got, so obviously, City sitting there at the top. Yep. Liverpool, Chelsea, West Ham, and then you've got Arsenal, Tottenham, um, and Man and U United, sitting in yeah. behind. Um, where do you see that top four panning out?
2: Anyone
6: to catch City? Yeah, well, it's it's it's, it's all it's all about who's going to finish fourth. Up, I think. I mean, you're not going to get City or Liverpool out of the top four, no. um, and Chelsea. I think will just they've had a bit of a blip. Um Tuchel's possibly the best manager at the moment, um, or. Definitely top three in the world, mm-hmm. so he will get them. He will get them going again very soon. So especially when Rich James comes back, so I think they're going to be pretty solid in the top three. So it's really about that fourth spot, and this is where the battle of narratives comes in. You know, will Arsenal not signing a striker? You know, will that? It might not cost them, but you know, we'll be, he will be able to play out a situation a world where it, that has been what's cost them um, all United. Become confident enough to, to get that fourth spot. Uh, I don't think um, Sean, sure sorry, I don't think West Ham are going to quite make it to the top four.
1: Uh, they, they needed but, they needed to buy at least a striker uh, and probably yeah. you know maybe another midfielder the, and a central defender. But yeah, I, I agree.
2: And a goalkeeper.
1: No, goalkeeper's good. I'm happy with the goalkeepers. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: So I think. I mean, I, I want. I mean, I, maybe it's just
6: me never wanting Man United to succeed in anything so I'd like Arsenal to see Arsenal get there because they don't have any competition other than the Premier League so they should be able well, to it's, it's very interesting that
1: I mean you, you were always tipping their previous manager to, to get the sack earlier than he did he yes. did eventually end up getting the sack Well
6: if they but, hadn't listened to me a lot earlier then yeah. they, they would have been in a
1: better spot now so, They replaced him with a very temporary manager who didn't even know how temporary that was going to be when he, when he signed up yes. Ralph is causing or, or seems to be that um an issue at the club you've got um some club cultural issues they're not happy with the way people like lingard and a few others have been treated mm-hmm. um, the mess there's mixed messaging coming out that would never have happened under fergie there's there's player unrest they've got um they, they don't like the coaching team the, the coaching team um yeah, but that's going to be an issue because he yeah,
2: signed he signed four years
1: like yeah but the signs of disrespect for Ralph and for his assistant manager, so both of the, both of them are there. I don't I don't know if, if that the the behind the scenes stuff. The the coaches lost the dressing room. The players don't seem to want to play for him or the badge uh, or themselves. So there's lots of rumours about Christian Ronaldo staying or going. They're, they just seem to be a tumultuous mess at the moment. And until that's sorted, I don't think they're going to be the the Man United that we know. Yeah, where's, where's
6: well, this going? is the logical conclusion yeah. to years and years of having non-footballing people making footballing yeah. decisions yeah. and getting it wrong repeatedly, and just refusing to learn from their mistakes. Yeah, and this is what happens. This is this is where you end up. You know, you, you know, you could end up like Liverpool or City if you have people who know what they're doing making decisions and then having a plan, or if you just have—I mean, because at the end of the day, there is no, there is—it's impossible to go from Ferguson to Moyes to Van Halen to Mourinho, to Solskjaer if you have a plan and you stick to your plan. Yeah. If you have a plan, that, that, that can't happen. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, well, well the you, thing you, is, I mean, a year ago we were talking about Pochettino being possibly the, the guy they'd go for. Now, the ghost of Pochettino is back, and now they're talking about bringing <laughs> Harry Kane in, but to do that they're going to have to lose Ronaldo and a few others, and you know, they're, they're talking about players going out the door. All of that is very unsettling to a team. I don't know how. The coach who hasn't got the dressing room can rally everybody into a cohesive group to even get into the top four. So I, th- I think they're done.
6: Yeah, this, year, this season. But um, if you look at Mark Overmars, has been let go by Ajax. Oh yeah, uh, for some in- inappropriate dealings. And so if you, start, if you don't want to make inappropriate dealings, then okay. But if you sign him as a CEO and then you bring Eric Ten Hag in, um, so you then have footballing people making footballing decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that it can turn around with the club's with the wealth of Man United very, very quickly. Yeah. But they need to just start doing the right things, and Woodward finally defying is nothing but good for the club.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, look, it's interesting. I mean, I think the top three, pretty much, you're right, the City, Liverpool, Chelsea, um, the following three, you know, West Ham, Arsenal, Tottenham, or for Man United, it's, it's going to be who makes the least mess of the, the 14 remaining games yeah, well, with that's going to be there. Well, um, Arsenal's
2: still got two games in hand, and they're only a point out of the top five. Yeah, three. but
1: Arsenal and Tottenham always have a finger over the self-destruct button. You just don't know <laughs> what's going to happen, do you? So, you know, it's. I, I just think it's a, a, an interesting lead into, or finish to the season. But, yep. um, but
2: Derek, what about down the other end? Uh, Burnley all but done, you think? And uh, well, you sell, Yeah,
6: Burnley, Burnley have too many games to make up, and they just don't have the squad to make it up with. Selling, um, Chris, Wood,
1: so I think... Selling Chris Wood was the equivalent of taking a flight to a clinic in Switzerland, wasn't it?
2: Well, it was for West Brom when we sold him. Yeah.
6: Well, I, I don't think um, they had a choice. No, I think it was a release clause, apparently.
2: Yeah, so, I know. but
1: it's,
6: Yeah, so they had to it's,
1: su- him. it's
2: suicidal at best
1: for them, and they need someone who can bang goals in, and you go, oh, see Yeah, you. well, they
6: got um Beghorst in, and in yeah. his first game, he, he played a lo- lovely target man role yeah. um, to set up Jerry Rodriguez, for the equaliser against United. So, I mean, maybe, I mean, if you, if you ever, if you could lab-create a Burnley player... It would yeah. be the six foot four, whatever massive brawny, they cost. So you know, yeah, it, I enough. think that could that could work.
3: Yeah.
6: Um, Watford would be interesting because um, I don't know if you saw when they appointed Roy Hodgson, he was the sixth manager to take over at Watford since they kept their last Premier League clean sheet,
1: wow. and, and the third this
3: year.
6: Yeah. 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 So, and, yeah and, and well, this is the sixth Premier League manager in six. In in two Premier League
1: seasons, so or not. And you're at that point where you're desperate to win games, and then you go, "Oh, Roy, he's our man." I, 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 honestly, mm. he does not inspire me as a manager. He does me.
6: Yeah, Lou, me. if Roy Hodgson is the answer to your question, then I think you're asking the wrong question.
3: Yeah, oh,
1: uh,
6: that's, if you're in the, that's the Premier League these, these days. Yeah, in this day and age, I believe. Mm. Uh, but having said that, um, they went through points per game of every club he's managed, and if you average that out, and, and they get that points per game for the rest of the season, then they these should just yeah, be on the cusp. Yep. Of safety, so you know, mm. if you can overshift slightly, um they could say but I, I think I think Watford have gone though. So it'll be yeah. Watford, for Norwich and um Burnley in my book. I think Everton will Everton are in a problem with the squad that they've got and yeah. the absolute catastrophe behind the scenes. Yeah.
1: They have been um, they very been in much free circuit. fall, haven't they? They've been been a bit of free fall since the last what well, two or three months, and I think It's like
6: the Man United... It's like if Man United weren't a super club. Yeah. It's Everton. They just have no idea what's happening behind the scenes. No one is making any good decisions. No one has a plan. And I think what we've seen over the last decade in the Premier League is teams that don't have a plan fail and teams that do have a plan succeed, usually. Yeah. So, you know, it's... Yeah, as long as that plan is coherent and structured and, and then they stick to it, like, you know, you get with a lot of clubs like Southampton and clubs like that, then, you know, you can succeed well. But if you... If you let the coach sack everyone behind the scenes, and then sack the best left back they have yep. because he doesn't get on with him, and then you sack the coach a few days later, yeah. I think it's pretty yeah. really clear no one has a clue what's going on.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, fair enough, mate. Yeah, look, it's the one thing is that, it, like always, an interesting run into to the final uh, fourteen games or so, and uh, at the end of that time, the best man will win. Um, at this stage, it's City, but uh, yeah, you, you never know, do you?
2: Well, I mean, they'd...
1: well, I think as long as as long as Liverpool can go into that final game
6: against City within seven points or eight points of them, yep. then you know it's still title on. If they if they're if they're any further than that away in that game against City, then it's 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 just not it's over. Yeah. But um, if they can get within six points of City and then before that game win that, they're within three points. If they're seven, four, whatever it is, as long as they can do that, then um then the title's still on. But uh, you know, if they drop any more points. City won't be dropping sort of more than three games of the season, so it'll be interesting.
2: So, Derek, with uh, fixtures tonight, the Everton Leeds game uh, sticks out like uh, the proverbials. But if Leeds win that, that that really does put some serious pressure back onto Everton. What, what do you see happening in that uh, game? Well, it's interesting because
6: it's one club with absolutely no playing whatsoever yep. and lots of injuries and. Another club with a really coherent strategy yes. plan, but lots and lots and lots of injuries. <laughs> and so, really, it'll be who whoever can keep sort of. Yeah, I mean, I think Leeds will probably do it, um, but and it's also Frank Lampard um, versus Marcelo Bielsa part two. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there'll be a bit of a grudge match there for Lampard, but yeah, it'll be interesting. It's hard to predict because it's who who will be the most like. Well, I mean, will Everton be organised enough to take advantage of Leeds' um, abysmal sort of squad depth, or you know, will? Will they just sort of revert back to this season's Everton form? Yeah. Um, in which case, you know, Leeds should be able to do it for them, especially given Everton really don't have a midfield at the moment. So yeah. it's thought that everyone's injured.
1: I look, think it should just about be Leeds. I think Leeds are starting to be where they should be at the, after a horrendous mid-season run. Um, they're coming good. And I, I like Leeds as a club. I think they'd be, you know, they're be, they adding value to the league since, since they came back into it. Um, look, lots of good games to go. Derek, thank you very much for your time. I'm sure we'll catch up with you before the end of the season. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, look after those kids, mate. See you. Thanks, guys. Good See on you, yeah. Derek. Ta-da. Derek Pollock, who wow. is
2: our specialist in all things APL. I forgot about that uh, that Wolves guy, yeah. That, yeah. They, they did get him online at the start of the season, yeah, that's yeah. right. they did. And then they made it permanent. Wow. Yeah. Okay, Fair All enough. right. But as Derek said, non-Portuguese, what's going on?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Um, it's quite interesting. I had a, a um, text from a... A listener earlier, and he was saying, um, "Why don't we have more night matches in the MPL? Like a match of the week at 7 p.m. on a Saturday night?" I'd argue that Perth versus Armadale was probably it, but um, there's certainly a hunger for it from the night for the night series. And I think, you know, given that there's no other football. Yep. other than local football, um, we should be making more well, of true it. that's
2: enough. And uh, that listener, if uh, they were listening last week, they would have heard Jamie Harnwell talk yep. about that. Um, a lot of it's down to the local government authorities as to the yep. use of the fixtures and, and the um, availability the facility, of, yeah, of that's right. substantial flood lighting. I yeah. Know, yeah. Oh, look, there's, has, yeah, but, but there's a lot flood flood of nimbys
1: out there don't want football being played at seven o'clock, finishing at nine o'clock yep. outside their, their front window or their bedroom window. So I, I get that. But, you know, at the end of the day, you, you've moved in somewhere near a football pitch, you I've got to a bit say, noise. as a
2: referee, it was one of my uh, least favourite fixtures. The yeah. uh, the eight o'clock kick off, yeah. uh, on a on a Saturday night because you're not getting, you know, well. Finishing, yeah, I know. All the things you do, it, it's after midnight it's before you're actually in a, a state to, to go to bed, and you think, "Holy crap, that's that's a huge day." So yeah, it'd, be it'd be nice, nice to get to bed sort of early, wouldn't it? have got to do the warm downs and yeah, and all the rest of it. Getting but, to bed early is always a killer. But he's right. Uh, there's nothing like football under lights. No, it I right? agree. At no, HBF Park when we and we need to journey. make
1: more of it. Whilst we don't have any other high level mm. football in the state, this is the showcase for us. Exactly right. All righty, we're going to go to a break, and we'll be back after that with Mr. Sage from the Glory, yeah. your
2: beauty.
6: Gate and Fence Hardware WA your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation, and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 6822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor.
7: get
1: up you're good for nothing lazy wow that that was quick (laughs) i didn't expect that one to be so so quick on the air look it's it's um all go here in the studio (laughs) 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 professionalism somewhere else at the moment but that's all right we're we're kicking goals here all right um Joining us on the line now is Tony Sage, who is the owner of the Perth Glory. Good morning, Tony. How are you?
0: Oh, very well, guys. Thanks for having me on.
1: No, no, thank you. Appreciate your time. Um, you've, you've not had a great week. How are you holding up, mate? Uh,
0: no, not a good week. Started off with a few heart palpitations, but got over that. Right. And, uh, you know, the news becomes worse and worse uh, with uh, uncertainty we got a bit of certainty uh late on uh, Thursday um uh so we probably are going to be uh the Tasmanian glory for the yeah, next 3 weeks uh, even though that uh, the APL and Tasmanian government wanted the whole of our season 12 games to be shifted to to Launceston so they could um you know and they paid a lot of money for mm-hmm. it as well yeah. unfortunately that money wasn't going to come back to glory yeah. um but Yeah, so, look, I uh, rejected the offer, obviously. Uh, however, since the uh, borders uh, situation isn't 100% known, uh, we're going to have to play uh, three games there, three home games, which mm. uh, will put a dent. But, uh, look, there's some good news uh, with that. Wellington, as you know, closed their um, uh, fans out, or well, they haven't got any fans in Wollongong. Yep. So they're having empty stadiums. So we might switch one of our their home game to Perth. So that brings one back. Uh, For us. So, look, uh, from the 5th of March, we'll have 10 home games in Perth, is confirmed, if and only if the uh, Premier and Cabinet approve the exemptions, which is the three jab rule for which they've done for the AFL women's teams uh, this weekend. So, hopefully, they can extend that to. Uh, visiting teams, uh, and then uh, uh, 10 straight at home. So, yeah. you know, we've really got to put out in the next three games uh, to get ourselves in a position to easily make the uh, finals.
1: Well, I think you'd you find if if the, they've allowed that exemption for the um, Australian rules, women, yeah. equal opportunities legislation would say <laughs> you can't just exclude the men So from any sport. So yeah. I think you'll you have a good case there. Yeah. Um, the, so the the members that obviously you're dependent on memberships and the holding games away as you said you're not going to get any money for um, as a business how how's that unfolding for you because you've got people like myself who've committed money to the club and you know we're there back in the club and we'd we'd love to see home games. Um, Financially, this must be horrendous for you at the moment. You're shelling out for accommodation over east for two two squads and nothing coming in.
0: No, it has been horrendous. And, um, you know, it's uh, an unfortunate situation that can't, you know, be uh, recouped from insurance. Uh, The government uh, basically said, no, you know, you're a private owner. Um, We can't uh, do anything for you. Um, So, yeah, it's roughly 200 grand a game with LED lighting, the ticket sales, on top of the memberships uh, that uh, revenue hasn't come in. Say we've lost so far six home games that we would have had uh, under the original fixture so that's uh, 1.2 million already Um, but overall say the season does go as planned or get those 10 home games back but we weren't going to have any Wednesday or midweek games under the old schedule, the very first one, mm-hmm. but now it looks like to squeeze the 10 home games in, we might have uh, one or two Wednesdays. So, you know, you can have too much of a good thing. We've been starved of it, and all of a sudden we got 10, and we might have uh, three in one week, for example, a Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday, or something like that, which is not ideal for our members especially the ones that fly in, fly out. Um, So, yeah, it's going to be a bit uh, complicated. But, look, we saw what we can do. I mean, that game against Western Sydney, they were fired up for their new coach. And, yeah, and uh, to to hold them to 1-0, and a scrappy goal at that, uh, the players did well, you know, considering we had (laughs) uh, no Fauna Raleigh, no Sturridge, no O'Neill in that team. So the guys... Uh, one thing that this has done is to, it's a them and us uh, mentality, and they've yep. really galvanised themselves. And, you know, watch out City tomorrow night with Roly dying to get back out there. Sturridge has got still a little bit of a twinge. Remember he came off that game against Brisbane yep. uh, with a little twinge? It uh, yep. didn't tear or anything like that, yep. but we'll rest him uh, and play him uh, for the three games in Tassie. And then I reckon uh, by the time he gets back to Perth, he'll start. Uh, but all the rest of the squad's uh, really fighting fit, except Brad Jones. Uh, he'll be ready in about two more weeks.
1: Yeah, oh, Look, it, it must be horrendous. It's almost like the world's longest pre-season. <laughs> I think Daniel Sturridge has, has set the world record for, for weeks in isolation. Um, so from that perspective, all of that stuff has, has really... Um, has really galvanised the squad. And I think, you know, they say what doesn't kill you makes you. Um, and I think they're looking at the, the Western Sydney game, yes, 1-0 was an unfortunate result. But then looking at it from another perspective... Had a whole heap of young kids out there. When um, Andy Keogh came off, he handed over the the armband to a 17-year-old who was the captain for the rest of the game, and and you just go, hang on, these are local boys out there, you mm. know, um, Timmins and and Rawlings and all of them, young local lads mixing it with some of the best out there, and you know, didn't look too far off the mark. So I think you know, yes, this year maybe is as horribilis, but the the future is looking really bright.
0: Oh, it is. It is, and just just look at um, uh, our women's team. I mean, uh, that game the other day against yeah. Adelaide or a third spot uh, to come back, especially after the disappointment. we well, three one up uh, yeah. in the seventy six minute. The game before against Canberra. I mean, if if they, if they they got the extra two points there, we'd be in solid third spot, buying yeah. for a final spot, right? And and this team, a bunch of young kids, are missing school, right? They yeah, can't yeah. go to school. There's three of them uh, that go to year twelve. A couple of them might have to give up their jobs that have been away so long because they were promised to come back, remember, right. on the 5th of February as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. So um, on the 27th, there's a double header in Launceston. The, the Our, our uh, girls and boys will be playing on the same day. So, uh, look, I, 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 although I didn't want to be called the uh, Tassie Glory, but uh, I really do thank mm-hmm. the Tasmanian government for, for helping us out. And, you know, they were willing to do the whole 12 games there that we had. Uh, but, uh, you know, I really want to bring the team home. But uh, at least they've got a home. And, and the other advantage uh, that uh, the other teams have against us, basing ourselves in New South Wales, they don't have to travel. No. That's another reason why I was really pushing uh, for the three games for Tasmania yep. uh, and, and shifting everyone, is because now those visiting teams have got to get on the plane and do what we do, albeit it's a smaller flight. but... You know, yeah. You know, my boys have not slept in their home beds now for what? Well, uh, nine, eight yeah. weeks for the girls, and probably six weeks
1: for the boys. And those, those Western Sydney players yeah. finished up that game, went home to their families. Yeah. You've got Brandon, yes. Brandon O'Neill, brand new baby, and he's yeah. stuck on the other side of the country in a hotel room. Yeah. And yeah. I, must, I must admit, I watched the um, the stuff that Gareth Morgan's been putting out, and he's you know the little video the other day there with with Brandon. But just those little snippets just make people feel more connected. I think you meet your team do a wonderful job, but they're really lifting the bar this stage um, as far as that goes. I think people don't give people like Gareth enough credit for what he does.
0: Yeah, absolutely right. And I look, Phil, for my staff. I mean, uh, I I put them on uh, leave on the 18th of December, um, and, uh, you know, uh, they're, they're basically using up all their holidays. I've, I've still managed to pay them all for fully, but uh, from if it lasted any longer, they would be on uh, no pay because mm. they've used up all their holidays. Uh, um, but, it, you know, it, it, it's sad that I have to do that, but I have to to keep the club afloat. Mm. Yeah, uh, I know,
1: look, uh, absolutely. But I think, you know, when you look at the benefits and the bonuses, the, the girls' team is, is really, or the women's team has really galvanised. Yeah. And, and, you know, Alex has got a, a great cool. little squad there, but he's, he's really um, develops a sense of team and unity around them. And, you know, you've got people there like Tash, who is a great leader, but they're, they're really all now scrapping and fighting and doing what they need to do. And I think for those those young ones, especially the year 12s, they're growing as individuals. They're learning more on the road than they would do it stuck in a classroom so i think there's there's yeah. lots of good things going on and particularly yeah. around development of the the younger players
0: yeah absolutely and i'll give you an exclusive it hasn't been released yet but uh we've extended alex's contract for another year that's fantastic Excellent. for the girls. Fantastic for him. He's done extremely well. I mean, he came in. We didn't win a game the first season, but he 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 knew what he wanted to oh. do. Um, yeah. He blooded a lot of youngsters, and just the the um you know, the progress of Hannah, for example. Absolutely,
3: fantastic.
0: yeah, yeah. She'll be a captain. Uh, uh, in the next couple of years, and I reckon she'll get into the Matildas.
1: Oh, without a doubt, and, and I think you know. You looked at that that first year; they lost a lot of games by the odd goal. They did. I think there's only two games they got done pretty badly in, but yep. a lot of the time, the, the average age of that squad was eighteen or nineteen, He's and right. you got to yep. take it out off to him. Yep,
0: hundred percent. Yeah, I think the men's team's got to learn a bit from that. Uh, they've, um, yeah, they're uh, a lot more. Um, uh, What's the word? They're a lot more disappointed, I suppose, than the women. Uh, So, you know. But it hasn't shown on the pitch so far. Again, uh, you know, the three losses, uh, and two of them could have been draws. One of them should have been a win against Adelaide. First up, and that uh, goal got offside. But the one against uh, Western United, when the ball was clearly out, that should have been nil all. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) uh, I find
1: that interesting. The media perspective is, you know, glory winning controversial circumstances. And yet, uh, and look, for both the men and the women in glory, we've lost that many games in controversial circumstances. And yeah. Don't talk to me about Brisbane. Um, but, you know, everyone goes, oh, yeah, but that's just football. It's, it's funny that they hang on to that, you know, oh, it was you're fortunate to win that. No, it's the way it crumbles, you know. They won. That's it. The bottom line is three points in the bag. Thank you very much. We're off.
3: That's
0: right. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Look, the media has not been sympathetic to us at all. Uh-huh. Even on the calls, when you, I mean, I just try and switch off uh, the commentary and just watch it without the commentary because you know yeah. I, I think it was one game where one of the commentators said oh, I've got to feel sorry for Per for this said no you're not they're professional players blah 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 I mean what a load of hogwash yeah. well I thought you it was know, funny professional though. players is fine but uh, all the other professional players get to as you say get to go home to their wives and mm-hmm. families uh, after the game and we just got to you know suck up a loss with yeah. no no support around them um, and, and that's a huge amount for uh, some of the players.
1: But the last game, the the Adelaide game, in the last five minutes, um, I know Tash watched, watched a ball... Go over the line, yeah. and then all of a sudden, the goalkeeper is on the wrong side of the goalkeeper, and the post was able to say that ball was definitely out when Tash was in the way, um, and then another one later on. Now I know Tash is honest player. If the ball was out, it's out, and if it was in, she'd say it was in. But two two late corners where they could have got a controversial yeah. equaliser. You know, I just think yeah. it's it's just yeah. Look, as a fan, yeah, I'm I'm watching it firmly with one eye, but you know, um, it's it's just an interesting dynamic. Now, one last thing. Uh, t- Nick Fitzgerald um, signing for the rest of the season who who is who is he replacing uh Carlo ah yeah okay because Carlo's been out with a long term injury yeah
0: Yeah. well he's long term we never wanted to replace him no Uh, but mainly for the cost purposes but uh, look we really need some uh, depth in the squad uh You know, so COVID really exposed us. Yep, absolutely. uh, And we didn't have an experienced player to come in, so I proved that, um, and that that, that's done now.
1: And with this stop-start season, the way it's been going, you bring someone like Carlo back from that particular injury, and then you know you you're playing one minute, and then you're not, and then you're off again. It would be horrendous for his recovery. Yeah. Yeah, I oh, know. Look, look,
0: right. look, what I find too about commentating and about that, I mean, Melbourne Victory is winning the FFA Cup against Central Coast, right? Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. You, you'd think they'd won the FA yeah, Cup in, right. in in England the way they yeah. carried on. You've got to go back to when they had almost a full-strength side. We played a bunch of kids and they only beat us on penalties. That's right. right? Well, not, not only and that... No one, re- no one talks about that and no one remembers that.
1: Not only that, that, Tony. That. Not only did they have the advantage of having... Uh, more senior players available and new playing kids. They also had the advantage of you having to play it over there when it was a home game. That's right. They also had the yeah. advantage of it being delayed because they weren't That's able right. to fulfil the fixture in Perth. So they, yeah. they, they've had that whole lot stacked up for them. And everyone's gone. No, it's just the way it is, guys. You know, you, you, it's <laughs> happened to you before. I remember the very first FFA Cup final,
2: yep.
1: which you had won. One the
2: right to the host. right to yeah. host, Correct.
1: and they go, no, to meet our TV schedules, it's got to be held um, in, in Adelaide. Adelaide you, you go. They haven't earned the right, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and we talk about footballing merit all the time, but there is no footballing merit. And look, no one likes us, and we don't care. And I, and I hate Millwall, but I, I do borrow that that from them because it seems to be the way.
0: Yeah, look, I think it goes back to the Nick Tarner era when we were so successful and yeah. we won trophies, and awesome. they hated coming to Perth, and yeah. you know, uh, yeah, that's where it started from. So yeah, there's very, very, very little sympathy for Perth Glory. Uh, over East. Well, no one
1: when when Nick started um, in the NSL, no one thought that Perth would be able no. to compete on an equal basis. No one even expected that in the very short time that Perth were in, in their existence in the NSL, they'd become a powerhouse. And at okay. the at the time that the NSL was scrubbed out and the A League started, um, the glory were basically the the Man City of of that league, and the, the only thing that stopped them was was bringing in A League. That's right.
2: Yeah, they had to stop the competition to stop us. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly right, and, and the FFA owned the club for two years and just ran it into the ground. Oh, oh,
3: yeah.
2: Yes,
1: that, that was, yeah, absolutely.
0: And so well, when, when my group took over, it was a mess. We had yeah. 1,200 members, and yeah. uh, look, uh, I don't want to go back into no. history, but you know, one thing I did do at that 25th anniversary um, um, celebration, that big lunch that we had uh the first person i think was nick tana so you know, we've had our uh <laughs> uh ding dongs over the time but you know yeah. if he didn't uh, with paul afgott start it, uh yeah, you know, there would be no Perth Glory.
1: Exactly right. If it wasn't for them, it wouldn't be here now. So yeah, we, we've got uh, got to um, acknowledge that it's part of the history. And the personality stuff gets yeah, you know, that's that's not business. Yeah, no. the, the business is the business. And the personality, yeah, you, know, you you may not get on with them, you may not like them, but you you've got to say that the business model and, and the club that they started is is still a massive club and it's still brilliant to be involved in. Um, yep. Talking about brilliant to be involved in big weekend for you this weekend. You've got the the NPL side out tonight um, up against Stirling Macedonia. Um, you on Sunday you've got the the women playing um, against Melbourne City, and then a bit later on in the afternoon Central Coast Mariners and the A League side playing. So you know football's still there. I know we're we distance from it. I know as a fan you'd love to be there, but um, at least we're still out there and we're still playing. Yep.
0: Yeah, look, that's right. And, um, you know, I've got a little bit more uh, uh, idea of what happens. I usually go to all those games, so I don't watch much of our team on TV. At home, I've only missed one game in 14 years. And, yeah. you know, away, I'm always at the Adelaide, uh, because I'm good friends with the owner there, um, and the Melbourne and um, Sydney games. So. Yeah, you know, but watching it on, I I now see the bias that everyone yeah, <laughs> tells me about. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, look, sadly missed, and uh, you know I desperately want to get to Hobart now to watch three games if I can get back. But yeah. the problem is not being able to get back and not knowing the rules and how to get back. So I'm going to have to be a, a couch fan again for the next three games.
2: Yeah, so, Tony, am I right in looking at these fixtures because they, they chop and change it as we know? But next week you, we've got three games. In the week, starting Sunday, uh, a game on Wednesday, and then the double that you mentioned on the uh, Sunday. 20th, on the
0: uh, yeah, twenty seventh. Yeah, that's uh, the way it's looking. And then uh, we should be at uh, home uh, uh, the first week of March. Now, I haven't seen the fixture final yet uh, set mm. uh, because they are, have to ju- because of us they have to juggle other teams around. Mm. Um, and um, yeah so yeah at the, moment, at the moment the, the the last one that's penciled in is the big double head so we' got Melbourne C- C- uh, city yep um, and then we've got the uh, double header I can't remember which teams uh, were playing there. But, for, for, uh, the,
2: for the doubleheader, you've got, uh, let me have a look, you've got Western United. Uh, yeah,
0: that's right, yeah. Yeah, and that, look, that was uh, engineered their way because they remember they played a couple of home games last year and one this year in Tassie, yep. so they wanted to play there as well. So, again, it'll be more like a home game for them because they've already got fans in, mm-hmm. in, in Tassie. But that doesn't matter. No. At least they have to travel... Uh, and go through uh, something that we don't have to do for a change. Yeah,
2: so I've gone through the, the, the fixture list again. So it's listed at HBF Park uh, kickoff at 5 past 7, Perth Glory versus Adelaide United. And that's uh, penciled in for Paramount yeah, and, pass as well. And,
0: mm. and hopefully, yeah, and hopefully we got um, then... storage starting at that game. So yeah. he'll, play, he'll miss this one. He'll play the next three and uh, 30, 40 minutes. Um, probably the first one, 15, uh, then 30 in, 40, and then hopefully start. That's their aim. Yeah. Uh, so we can get a huge crowd again. Oh, I want to see 17,000 again because we've been starved of it. Yeah. Oh, and uh, let's hope we do it. Uh, let, let's hope
1: that the COVID wave in Perth, I mean, we, we've got 50 infections at the moment. Um, and when these borders open, I don't know what's going to happen and how that will affect crowds and what have you. But, you know, I've, I've been saying this for three years. We're going to have to learn to live with this. Yes. Yeah, for sure. All right, Tony, look, thank you very much for your time. Look after that strawberry. We we want you to be around for a long, oh, yeah. long time, mate.
0: Yep, and you got the you got the exclusive on
7: Alex. Yes,
1: yeah. thank with you very much for mm-hmm. no, that. No, <laughs> I know, and I know Penny will be very, very happy with that one. Um, you know, he's a terrific, a terrific young coach, and he's done wonderful things. And I think that's a a very good move to have him secured yeah. so early. So thank you for that scoop. And
2: we thank you for for all the scoops you give us. We, we were the first station to uh, announce that Sturridge had signed, and uh, a week later everybody else went, "Oh, we've got a scoop." It's like <laughs> yeah, a week late. We spoke yeah. to the man
0: himself.
1: Always a pleasure, Tony. <laughs>
0: No
1: worries. Thanks very much, guys. Thank Bye. you. Good on you. Stay safe. Ta-da. Okay, Tony Sage. Um, yeah, look, speak for himself. He's, uh, it's been a horrendous year, oh, yeah. and I just don't know what what, what we would do. Um, yeah, look, polarises opinion as an owner, but you, you can't take it away from him. He is first and foremost a fan.
2: Oh, exactly right. And 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 a fan who owns his, uh, his favourite club? Brilliant. Um, yeah. You know, I, I love the man. I, I really do. Uh, so... Going through those fixtures, uh, which Tony was talking about. So we have – where has that gone? Today – sorry, tomorrow we're playing Central Coast Mariners. That's at Central Coast Stadium. Uh, Kickoff at quarter to three. And then the week after that, Sunday the 20th, Glory will play Brisbane at a TBC. Yep. Yep. The Melbourne City fixture has been postponed, which was listed here as HBF Park on Tuesday the 22nd. That's why I had a chat to uh, ask Tony that question because on the fixtures here, it's actually got Perth Glory playing four games in a week. Yeah, Which that's is just ridiculous. Well, no, games, no, no, it would
1: be, be ridiculous if you asked Sydney or anyone else oh, who's yeah. living at home to do it. But Perth are living out of a hotel room, they'd yep. be glad of the activity, mate. Yep. What, are you, what are you talking about, honestly? Yep.
2: <laughs> so, that Tuesday game's postponed, obviously. Uh, Wednesday, the 23rd, Glory versus MacArthur. And then the double header that uh, Tony was talking about with the Tassie Glory. Glory will play Western United uh, down at Tasmania. So yeah. that's that sensational. And I'll just double check who the women are playing on that particular fixture. I'm Actually,
1: sure. there was a couple of scoops there. I was just uh, thinking about. Yeah, we, so we've the got Glory
2: women yeah. will be playing Sydney FC in that double header. So it's not uh, Western United because I didn't think Western United had a, uh, a, w, uh, a, a, a League women's side. Yeah. At the moment.
1: Okay. I could be, be interesting. Wrong with that one. Yeah, if if could Pete be was p- here, he kicking that. me, going, "No, you got that one." Yeah.
2: But I'm pretty sure they don't have uh, a, a an A League W side.
1: No. So the other, the other um, stat, or the other scoop we had, was that Nick Fitzgerald's coming in for Carlo Armiento. Now
2: that, that is serious news. I yeah. uh, I got that one as well. Um, again, Gareth uh, Morgan, come up with that one. So um, Nick Fitzgerald has played over 200 games, well, nearly 200 games, uh, with clubs such as Central Coast Mariners, the Brisbane Roar, Melbourne City, Western Sydney Wanderers, Newcastle. Oh, he's been around. He's a German, he's trying, to, yeah. trying to get the full house there. He recently was playing in the Indian Super League with Jamshedpur FC, where he made eight appearances. Uh, he says he's really excited to be back in the A-League and playing with the Perth Glory. I'm looking forward to the challenge and helping the boys to try and achieve something good this year. It's been difficult being away from Perth, but we're still hoping to get back there and play in front of the glory members and fans. And as uh, Tony told us, that is almost certain to happen next month. Mm. Uh, Head coach Richard Garcia said, Nick is an experienced A-League player who will bring us another experienced option in attack. He's determined to prove his quality at this level again and has settled in well within the squad. Fitzgerald is expected to come straight into the Glory Squad for Saturday's clash against Central Coast Mariners and has been allocated the number 11 shirt.
1: Hmm. So that's nice. Alrighty. So we'll go to a break and we'll be back after the ads with Goran Sajic from Subiaco. Brilliant.
7: West Coast Futsal Association was established to develop and promote the game of futsal. With a vibrant new look and re-imaging, we are now Futsal WA. With a dedication to capture the fast growth of the sport at all levels, Futsal WA is Futsal in Western Australia. Futsal WA provides boundless opportunities to play with grassroots and junior leagues, pathways to academies, and elite club competitions, and representative futsal that can help you follow a dream of professional futsal in Europe or Asia. With four venues across Perth, as an individual, or as a group of mates who want to play, there's a junior, men's, women's, or mixed competition that will suit you. Contact us to get involved in futsal, an action-packed sport and the fastest-growing sport in Australia. Contact us at Futsal WA on 0432 745 140, via email at info at futsalwa.org.au or via our website W
0: Cristiano Ronaldo, Wayne Rooney, Veron. Hi I'm Peter Schieler. Everyone seems to think I'm the ultimate wingman and full of helpful information. It's true, I am. My passion is trivia and Australian football statistics. Check out a-leaguestats.com, my website, where you can follow all the stats and results from the men's and women's A-leagues from the beginning of time, or at least 2005 and 2008, respectively. You're listening in to the World Football Programme on Radio Fremantle, and we appreciate you tuning in.
1: All right, as we said earlier on in the show, a lot of um, action in the night series going on around the place. Um, Not always on the Saturday night at seven o'clock, as Blaine Treadgold would like, but you know, it's getting there. One of the teams that was in action last night was Subiaco, and joining us on the line now is Goran Stajic, who is the head coach at Subi. Good morning, Goran, how are you?
4: Uh, good morning, Sean. Good morning, Hugh. How are you? There? Well, not too bad. I'm still waking up. I didn't
1: think we finished about 11 o'clock last night. Yep. Yeah, Hugh was just saying that. You know, the one wonderful thing about the, the, for the spectator is, yeah, you, you watch the 7 o'clock game, 9 o'clock it finishes. You go home. Yeah. As a player or an official, um, it finishes at 9 o'clock. Then you are got to have a shower. Yeah. Then you've got a bit of socialisation afterwards. Midnight before you get yeah. to bed. and Yeah, so there, it's not just pack up and go home at the end as okay. it is for everybody else.
4: No, no, absolutely not, and uh, it was a, actually a pretty good game at the end and a uh, very healthy crowd, I must say, and uh, I'm sure for the neutral, and that uh, really enjoyed it, and, uh, you know, the final result, uh, I guess, went the... The way that we
1: didn't like but uh, they deserved it no dramas yeah but the night series is always one of those ones where yeah, there's a lot of ducks and drakes been playing i think um it used to get called the phony season as as a coach you're either going out to win it and there's no point in being april premiers, um or you're testing the depth of your squad you're trying players in different areas you're trying different um formations different tactics so what's your approach in the night shift in the night series
4: yeah, I think you absolutely nailed it. Um, you know, if you have a look at the uh, the starting line uh, last night, I think both sides uh, went out there fairly strong. Um, you know, we're a, um, a mix of uh, youth and experience Um Uh, we also, um, you know, experimenting, uh, players in different types of roles and responsibilities, something that they've probably never (laughs) tried before. And, you know, it worked the week before. And, uh, and, and last night it wasn't so good, but there were still so many positives to take out of it and that. But I don't think you want to go out there and, um, and, and, and lose any game necessarily. I think it's an important way to, uh, start developing your um, approach for the season. So if you can get as many wins as you can during the night series,
1: I think you're in a good spot um, when it comes yeah, to season. Yeah, look, I, I'm ambivalent about that. I've, I know from my own club's experience, we've done extremely well in the night series and then had a horrible year. And we've had absolutely shocking night series and, and almost won the league, you know. So it. I, I just think it's one of those things that, yeah, you're either – no one goes out there to lose a game, obviously. But, um, you know, the other the other problem you have, if you go out there and, you know, you've got a, a good young player who suddenly lights it up, um, that the other team that you're playing goes, well oh, hang on, he could do for us. Or an NPL side <laughs> sees him and goes, we're having him. So, you, you know, you don't want to give everything away in the night series. So it's just one of those, those interesting dynamics. And, look, Subiaco... Um, I know 2 years ago had a really good young 18s their 18s were filtering through into the uh, reserves and the first team it, so what sort of a squad do you have do you get have you retained a lot of the players from last year Are they a lot of them subiaco players born and bred or have you you brought in some some people that you've known around the place Yeah I think um
4: you know when I got approached from uh, Addy Eurich and Branko Jelich who uh um, go to Subiaco. The, I think the biggest selling point was to, um, you know, continue with that particular group that you were, um, you know, mentioning about. You know, yeah. they won the twenties last year as yeah. well. So, um, you know, that was the idea to to go in there. But at the same time, if, uh, if to I try can to encourage,
1: if I, if I can, Gordon, um it's a yeah. reserve league. It's not a twenties, uh, and that's the difference in in Divi One. Is it's an open reserves comp. So for some clubs, and I know Subiaco do it, Ashfield do it. Um, they try and keep it to twenties just because that's the yeah, cult- I mean, culture of the club. But um, is absolutely, it, to win an open reserves with with a vi- very young team is is an actual achievement. Oh
4: yeah, yeah, very good, very good. And um, I guess that's exactly right, um, you know right. So when I saw those uh, players, I, I managed to go back and um, you know watch a couple of the games as well. Um, over the season, and you know seeing some of these boys you know going to a bit of first team football and uh yeah it was uh, it was good and um you know they 've been absolutely going extremely well um over the preseason and um last last week uh, you know we've had about you know five to six uh, subiaco grown players, I think several of them have been there since they were like four years of age, so
3: yeah. you
4: know that 's only going to be um you know good for the club and and good for the game if you can actually uh, nurture that, keep that, and uh, and hopefully when um, you know we're ready to get into the MPL and that that we're going to be living up there as opposed to existing. Mm. You know what I mean?
1: Now yeah, the the yeah. Fir- the, uh, the first division is is a very very tough division. I mean you, you've got Rockingham who you would know very well from last year who have dropped back into the Divy One who would be mad keen to get back out again. You've got Mandurah in there, who are a very strong side. Um, You've got Kingsway, Fremantle, uh, the Knights, Forestfield, Dianella, all of which would be the top three, you know, and and they're all very, very much funded and driven and and to get into the NPL. So. It's not, it's not an easy league to, to be playing in and it, there's just like this arms race going on in there. Um, no, no, well... No, no, but That's it, a good way it, to put but it. Analogy. it is an arms race. <laughs> uh, and, you know, look, there's there's some good clubs and, and Subiaco were one of them that weren't playing bad football. UWA last year weren't playing bad football, but they're in ninth and tenth position in the league. You know, it's uh, it really is a very difficult league to compete in. And, and I think the the first division in some ways is, is a better league to watch than the NPL because the is nicely structured and, and all works out, but it's a real war down there in Divi 1.
3: Yeah, no,
4: absolutely. That was one of the um, <laughs> the other reasons that it really enticed me. I mean, I've been involved in NPL for such a uh, a long time and uh, I had opportunities to stay in the NPL, um, but... Like You know, there's some serious teams, serious players and serious coaches mm. uh, in Div 1. So I thought to myself this would be a fantastic opportunity for me as a coach not only to, uh, to grow but to um, certainly, um, you know, challenge myself as well. And, uh, you know, Subi certainly aren't um, a team that's going to go out there and uh, splash the cash, and, and I'm OK with that. Um, so there's no excuses there, but the players that we've... Uh, managed to uh you know get across to Subi and that uh, also understand what we're trying to do you know with this uh, particular project that we're um working on so you know they're buying in slowly and and I've sort of gone the other way and um, I've managed to um uh, recruit some uh, amazing um support staff um some really good coaches so um, you know you can just see already um last night regardless but the boys you know they're looking fit they're looking sharp they're looking uh fast uh, you know, and um, I think that's just uh, with what we've done with building the support staff on the outside. There's a lot of guys there with, you know, that special, um, specialized, um, you know, background. So uh, the boys are loving that, and uh, we're hoping that we can be able to, um, you know, climb up the ladder going
1: that way as well. Absolutely. Uh, look, and I think every team in there, you know, you've got teams like I mentioned June Lup, but also Mandra, um, UWA, who are all, you know, in that mid group, but they're all going to be, all want to be at the top of the league at the end of the season. Um, it just makes for for a really good competitive league. Do you think that going or making that league professional is going to make a difference? Um, you know the the transfer season or the transfers has, has kind of ceased at the moment, so getting players in in and out is going to be a problem, and then also. Um, I believe a number of clubs have registered players as professionals, right. which means that they're receiving more than $110 um, a game, and I think locally it's up to $150. I might be wrong on that one, but um, you know, I, I I just go back to when I was a, a player, which was back in the <laughs> yeah the nine eight late eighties nineties um, early nineties. Yep. The the professional um, contract started at one hundred and ten dollars back then, and you know in thirty years it hasn't changed. <laughs> no, and, and really, you know, I think for uh, the amateur status, it's yeah, you know, one hundred and fifty two hundred is not out of the realm of possibility. And and that's all you can actually give someone for their expenses, yep. and then to pay someone to play football is a different thing. And the, the definition's very clear. But um, yeah, yeah, thought? yeah.
4: Uh, yeah, I mean, um, like I said, for me personally, it can only be a good thing. Um, yeah. You know, in the past, I've, uh, um, you know, so proud of the amount of players that I've, uh, you know, given an opportunity of uh, first-team football and, you know, who um, have gone on to bigger and better things. Unfortunately, um, you know, the older system, once they've, as you mentioned, uh, shined on the big stage and that, they're basically lured away by, um, you know, promises, some that have been fulfilled and many that were, um, I guess, unbroken, you know, sorry, broken. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm hoping that something like this um, is going to uh, enable uh, not only the coaches but the club to, um, you know, stick fat with what they're trying to do and and really see something um, start and, I guess, uh, finish. So, um, you know, you want to try and retain as many players as you can and, you know, I mean, we know where we're at and, uh, you know, if we we manage to... uh, to get into the NPL, um, you know, uh, straight away, happy days. But if yeah. it means that it's a process and it's a, you know, uh, you know, a two-, three-year, whatever plan it is, and if you're doing it with those 17-, 18-, 19-year-olds now that become 22-, yeah. 23-, um, as I say, it's, I think it's only going to be a good thing, um, you know, for, uh, uh, for the game. Um, yeah. But at the same time, um, you know, you need to have those opportunities there as well because if young so-and-so, Sean Kelly's not playing... Uh, enough game time and we're just sort of holding him there, holding him there and preventing him from getting that game time, yep. well then, you know, we've got to, we've got to be um, also realistic and uh, encourage him and maybe even, you know, have this sort of a bit more of an open, I don't know, I've always said like a draft system or something, you know, just a, that yep. season, you know, I can use like other sports, but let's put him up there. And uh, if he happens to go to, you know, Rocky, Bandra or wherever it is, happy days as long as he's playing, you know, oh, look- I think that's... Uh,
1: that's important as well. Our club perspective is that, you know, if you're good enough, you're old enough. And we, we played a 16-year-old mm. right back last year. Um, and, you know, a lot of our first team was were under 22. So I think, you know, if you've got clubs that are brave enough to, to do it, and look, it didn't work out. That's way we, we'd like it. But um, at least we, we
2: stuck with that plan and project, and, and we're still doing that. So, Gurren, with that player movement, are you uh, suggesting uh, something like we see in, in in some of the more major leagues uh, a loan system so a a but half season But you loan. can
1: no but you can do that if you're on a professional contract you can loan a professional player you yeah. can't loan an amateur player
2: Is that right Yeah so yeah, so it has to yep. be a professional so, contracted player. Okay, well that makes it a little yeah. bit more difficult to
1: makes it a lot more easy though, because if you've got a, a gifted eighteen year old, okay, yeah, you can put him on a contract for three years yep. till he's twenty one, and you could loan him to another yep. club for the year and then get him back. Yep. Okay. Yeah,
4: like, I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you a prime example of a key position, I think, because, um, you know, WA, I think, of late, and I. You know, whether you agree to disagree and that, we're not really producing the goalkeepers that we have in the past. No. Um, you know, the ones that we've grown up with. And that's no disrespect to absolutely anyone, but you can just see that, mm, why aren't we sort of producing this, you know, and could it be possibly that they're kind of that second, third choice, whatever it is um, up at the top. And I've been in the NPL, um, but yet, you know, can we go send him to Subi or, or, you know, Forey or whatever there, yeah. and to be the number one there on the loan, you know, even for just half the season, even for something, mm. you know, just so yeah. he's playing first-team football. Not every club's going to be up for that, but, you know, certainly... Uh, I could imagine if it was actually out there and we could actually do something like that, um, we're going to start probably seeing oh, that opportunity or yeah. a striker at the other end. Yeah. No, I agree with you. We're not only yeah. really producing too many Aussie strikers, are we? And, cool. I, and
1: yeah. I look at that, you look at someone like Cyril Sharrock who's been around <laughs> forever. No, no, but look, he's, he's, still, Cyril. he's still a good goalkeeper. Is, but, you been. know, is, is an 18-year-old goalkeeper going to get a chance and opportunity whilst he's in the sticks
2: oh, I know Cyril quite well I think yeah. if
1: Cyril believes that the goalkeeper I know Cyril would but, the, but it's the oh, coach okay. yeah, you know right. and okay. it's a, is a coach going to say oh look I've got Cyril there with all those years of experience and everything else and yeah he's he's not been in the best of form but he's going to come good because he, he's just got the, the track record or you're going to go look I tell you what Cyril yeah. you're playing yeah. resis I'm going to put the 18 year old up who's had no experience in first team and then mm. people aren't brave enough to do that no, and that's and you know, and again, um, a couple of years back, we we played a sixteen, seventeen-year-old as a goalkeeper in the first team, uh, and did a terrific job.
3: Boy.
1: Yeah, I mean, mm. on the on
4: the flip side of that, um, you know, I've, I've had the privilege of actually actually working with Cyril all yes, yes, almost the yeah. season, and, yeah. uh, and 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 yeah, that's a fair point that you could probably say that. However. Um, to actually be 18 and to be around someone like that yeah. and to learn and to train with someone absolutely. like that, that. thats That's also a yeah. win-win, you know? So, so I mean, uh, put that as an example, mm, I'm not sure, but um, there's certainly uh, uh, other better ones that I could probably, but um, some, you know... But like, at um, some
1: point, the, the apprentice has to usurp the master.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah 100%, absolutely, yeah. you know... Um, but as you know, it's you know we hear this one all the time about you know being results based, and yes, we have and to make sure exactly. But, you know,
1: and that's my point. When it's when it's results based, you've got Cyril who's out of form, and you've got an eighteen-year-old goalkeeper who's in form but played resis and not played mm. first team. Are you as a coach going to go? Yeah, I'm throwing him in because you're not. Yeah. And the reality yeah. is, you are not. You're going to stick with with the safe bet. And and I just think that the you know if you if you have a, a, that goalkeeper is then playing in, not in the MPL, in the but you've loaned him mm. to Western Knights or to someone else, knowing yep. that they're going to look after him for a year. And, and he's, you know, someone's got it like Subi has got a good goalkeeper coach. He goes to them. He he spends a year getting different tutorage by a different coach and then comes back yep. to you a year later. And you can assess him in first team games because really even... A, in the the um, MPL twenties, you're only going to be playing against people who are still developing. Whereas in Div- Div- Division One first team, you're up against a grown adult who's been there, done that. Um, and it, first team football is very different to playing second string football. Yeah, yeah, no,
4: absolutely. And that's why we have the. You know, competitions like night series with what yeah. you mentioned earlier, you know, so you, you see probably a lot of the young, um, you know, up and coming, whether they're GK, strikers, whatever yeah. it may be, they get that, they, they get that, uh, they get that opportunity. Um, with myself, however, um, you know, that's, pretty much a not even an opportunity for me I, I actually believe uh in you know in that particular player so you know like you said you you know you're, you're old enough you're good enough good enough old enough whatever yeah. it's um you know it's just a great opportunity to uh to be able to uh, to shine but uh you know on on um uh, you know that I, I probably want your thoughts on it as well it's nice to that we have these uh, night series and night series games and people can say they're meaningless and all this kind of stuff you know is it time to extend our season and make just that little bit longer with an extra, you know, four or five games. And I hear, I hear, oh, cricket won't release their pitches <laughs> and all this kind yeah. of stuff and that. But that just doesn't sit well with me, you know, because I still think we're not playing enough games. you totally um, agree. We're I, having, I, we're I not, do not we're disagree. Not having an opportunity. Yeah, yeah, we're not having an opportunity to uh, to get into a bit of a run. You know what I mean? Like yeah, Sometimes you can be, you know, ninth or, ninth or tenth, but then you get a run.
1: There, um, there, and,
4: are,
1: there are two arguments. You know? one, one is the facilities right now the amateur night series is struggling to find venues because A, people don't have access to them and B, they don't have the lights. Mm-hmm. and And the other one the other one is and, and we talk about the um expansion of programs and expansions of leagues we've got um thirty six teams in three leagues you could you could have two two leagues of eighteen which would give you a lot more fixtures, but then we get the oh but we don't have the depth we don't have the depth because we don't have the competition so we, we need to you know we if we wait
4: until like the East Coast does. They have yeah, a first team exactly. and under-23s, and that's how you go. And and I guess where I'm going with it, I was right. hoping to try to involve Hugh here because I know of your past, Hugh, and yeah. uh, all good, by the way, mate. But, uh, <laughs> Thank you very know, much. Um, you know, I keep on hearing, like, we haven't got enough referees either. Yeah, uh,
2: it's you always know? been an issue. The, um, it's not so much the attraction of referees, it's it's always the retention because... We know our game has a significantly different view on officials than most other games. Uh, rugby comes to mind immediately. Yeah. You know, when I was being called sir on the, on the football field, Yellow Card was more than likely coming out straight away because they were taking the P155. They weren't, they weren't coming from a place of respect. Yeah, but
1: they also said sir with a C.
2: that's that's fair too yeah no
1: i think you're right and i think you know look um we've gone down this the way we've always done business approach before um and that is that we have um, three games on a Saturday, 18 uh, reserves, first team, yep. and we do that in the amateurs. We do it all over the place. Um, the system I was used to in the UK was I played for a team that was in the Essex Senior League, which was the the highest league before you went into the 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 football pyramid football pyramid yep um and and we had seven teams within that club and we we all played in our own individual divisions so if as a 16 year old i started off in the seventh team and in that team we had a range of players between 16 and 65 playing and you you very quickly elevated up through to say like the third team and my brothers went up a bit higher than that but um you found where you were within that niche, but you were all playing in an individual league for the the trophies and there was no reserve sides and you would you could yeah. transfer up and down between those teams. You you couldn't yeah, right. drop someone down That's been part of yeah, the two or three part. sides. You yeah. could only drop them down one side and you couldn't load a side. There was whole loads of rules within it, but yeah, everybody yeah, everybody was playing in a full blooded not not I'm not in a reserve team, I'm playing for the third team and the third team we're winning the league. We had that. We yeah, we
2: have that uh, impediment where players who have played up in yeah. cup competitions then become cup bound to that team. They yeah. can't they can't then go back down mm. to their to their yeah. their usual yeah uh, playing level.
1: And I think the is problem it. is we don't have enough people playing playing at a serious level. And I think you know as much as the 18s competition is very good, the 18s competition is. Um, the 18s, and then
4: yeah, I I mean, the, the, yeah, for me, for me, the 18s competition is very close to my heart because I think it's actually the um, window for the next up and coming coaches. Yeah. Um, I think it's uh, always a good opportunity. It's that uh, transition from juniors, obviously, and now yeah. I want to go into the seniors. So I think the 18s competition is definitely, uh, you know, needs to uh, to be alive and well. Whether it's got, needs to be on a Saturday or a Sunday morning, that's a different story. But I guess I just wanted to but, go back. But my part why. Think, is,
1: um, as a 16-year, as a 16-year old. I was playing in a team with with a mixture of adults. I wasn't playing with other 16 year olds and I learnt from that. If I can, I've just got a young man who's in the studio with us. Your name is? Ethan. Ethan. Ethan's joined us for for a little bit. He's another host on one of the shows. But Ethan's got something he'd like to say. Well, I'd
2: like to say about football in WA, one thing that
6: I noticed a lot of people aren't quite getting the chance to play club football because perhaps there's only three or four people in a team or there isn't quite that leveling. Now, I wonder whether that's going to be a cause of a lack of players. Perhaps maybe some people need more, maybe it needs to be more structure. And it was a good point you were making about being able to play in a team where you've got the opportunity to play. Up and down, and flow around, and yep. work out where yep. your level is, yep. and it does lack sometimes mm. in
2: sports, especially football. Yep.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean. Uh um, I, I know exactly where you're coming from, and uh, I've been to clubs where, unfortunately, um, you know, you've got that 18-year-old, you've, you've seen something in him, and um, but he's probably just not quite ready for that first-team football. But, you know, a club like Subiaco, and I even um, can mention uh, Rocky and that, yeah. they uh, were fortunate enough to have different levels, so they had the amateurs on Sundays, mm-hmm. or they had the socials, they had... All that kind of stuff. So you still wanted that person to probably uh, be involved at the club at some level and just go work on this particular thing, but don't, don't necessarily have to do it on a Saturday league, you know? So so there are some, you know, good clubs uh, yeah. out there that are very proactive and but, want to make sure
1: that... It's uh, not the clubs, it's the competition, because if you've got an 18... No, but if you've got an 18-year-old who's who's playing... Let's face it, if, you, if he's going to be any good, the under-18 player is playing in at least your reses and maybe your first team is on the bench... Um, so you've got a lad who's in that cusp land and you, you need him to play more football you want him to play on a Sunday, but because he's registered on the Saturday comp can't. you can't play for Rockingham Amateurs on a Sunday. Now yeah, I've Andrew, I've never mate. I've never known anybody to get any better by watching football, sitting on a bench in a football game. When I was a kid growing up, I played for my school Saturday morning, I played for my club Saturday afternoon, and I played for a Sunday team on Sunday. I played three games in a weekend, and no one yep. was talking about the pressure of work. As a kid, I was just eating it up. I, I would play football all day, every day if I could at that age. And I think, you know, that they talk about overload and everything else, but, you know, that you learn football on the pitch. Yes, you can go out and train and, and train all you like, but nothing is like playing the game for no, real. And
2: that was the same with refereeing as well. Yeah. I, I, you know, if there was a game going, um, I was in it. So yeah. th- there was weekends there where I was refereeing probably six, eight games on a weekend. Yeah, But uh, that's part of Gurren's problem uh, that, that, that he raised was with refereeing, if we can get a, um, a structure that maybe we don't need all three games to be played on the Saturday so maybe bingo that's what I was going to uh, yeah. that's what I was going to mention yeah. that's what I was going to mention but this is what, this is what it I'm saying referring Paul a little bit more if we move, if we move away from
1: this three mm. games on a saturday model yep. so that you can play three games anywhere between say friday night and monday yeah, exactly. it's it, if you've got the the teams playing and look um, I don't know how many amateur teams you you've got playing within the system at subi but you could lots. have they maybe got lots. but you could probably have seven or eight teams who would be then playing in seven or eight leagues. So, you know, you couldn't jump a team. So you'd have teams playing in, in the um, in the state league and then amateurs, and then amateurs, maybe Prem, one, two, three, four, whatever it was, all the way down. But at least then someone who was on the up could be moved up through those teams to a point where they, they found their equilibrium Or, you know, someone who wasn't informed could drop back two or three sides and then, you know, work his way back in. Someone who was injured could come back in at a much lower level and get competitive games under his belt rather than, you know, 20 minutes in the resis. Yep. That's, and that's the thing with sport.
4: Sport seems to have always kind of stayed in the dark ages. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, it's Saturday, 3 o'clock, you know, yeah. and it's Sunday amateurs and it's uh, junior Sunday morning. Yeah. And, and I get that. You know, I mean, I work in an uh, organization that's over 100 years old and they will not move, they will <laughs> okay. not shove anything. anything. However, however, your working hours will, your days yeah. will. Um, yeah. We're doing night shift now, we're doing day shift, afternoon shift, and everything like that. And it works. Yeah, uh, and it works, but it's just that we don't want to go away from that, you know, in sport, which I think is holding us back. It's
1: holding I, us back. I work for a paramilitary organisation that's been in existence for over 200 years, and, yes, I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. But having said that, we are looking at doing things very differently, and, and we have to. We, and in this day and age, more responsive workforces, more responsive roles, and, and, we've got, and we've got and we've to adapt and be inclusive. So, you know, the, there are lots of people who... who I, mean, I remember um, when I was playing in uh, the Amateur Leagues back in the, the early 90s, Sterling Maccabee couldn't play in the State League because their religious day of observance yep. was Saturday. That's right. Yep. So, uh, no way. Now, they should be allowed to. Uh, but the problem you've got is that if they played anybody else whose home game was on a Saturday, then you know straight away we, we've introduced this... Uh, exclusion, and we we need to be more flexible. We need to oh, to have
4: absolutely better you know arrangements. I mean, like, yeah. Well, Let's, let's not do weeknights. Oh, because we're jumping into um, indoor soccer or we're going to affect the and, yep. and Let's make sure we have uh, A League in summer when it's 48 degrees. Let's not take yeah, on the no. AFL during winter and stuff like that. They're oh, no, think... always just this
1: poor cousin. Yeah, yeah? I, no, I agree. <laughs> I, look, we, we also make ourselves a poor cousin. I, I like The A League not competing against the AFL is, is an issue. Mm-hmm. But then you've also got the, the fact that there are people here who, who will tell you that they are a football fan. But they've never been to a state league or NPL game, they've never been to a glory game because they follow City or United and and that mm. makes them a football fan. Yep. And you know, look I'm I'm an absolute football fan. I, I would even go and watch Hugh referee. So <laughs> and I don't care at what level. <laughs> but I just <laughs> but I love the game, you know, and that's the point that you know, I'm a yeah, fan of all. Of you, it. Just I, wanna, you
4: just want to yell some
1: trash at him so he can <laughs> earn his money. Yeah, I know, look. So sometimes I've been in the city and you you go down to Langley Park and there's there's um, a game there being played by whoever. You know, you just yep. go watch it. Just watch yep. it because it's fun to watch. You know, uh, and when of I was yo- and when I was younger, when when we when I started playing. Um, as a semi serious thing as a 16-, 17-year-old, we used to go down to our local park on a Sunday afternoon. We'd have bags as goalposts. Yeah. We'd, we'd be running 20-a-side some days. But that was the most honest football I've ever played. Yeah. And we self-refereed. You would hate that, but, yeah, you know... No shin pads. No shin yeah. pads. <laughs> no, yeah, it was great, you know. But
4: Sean, we, Sean, I think they...
1: Sure,
4: I think they actually um, invented
3: rugby from it, mate. So there you go. Well, they look more like rugby. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah,
1: well, when they yeah. made the rules up. So, so you've watched <laughs> you've watched me play then. <laughs> All right, go and look. Thank you very much for your thoughts. I think we can expand on that in a future oh, date because I think there's a lot of stuff there that we've talked about which needs to be explored. I just hate the seven worst words in any business are we've always done it this way. And, you know, we need to challenge ourselves and we need to adapt. I just don't know if in the current climate with everything else that's going on that we've got um, a governing body that will embrace that. And well, we there's
2: a new CEO coming no, on. No, no, but the,
1: you, you know yourself. The, the TD that was brought in from the UK... Um, one of the reasons he he left Australia was because of this old state system. This is the way we do it here in Australia, Um, self-interest and self-promotion and everything else. So, yeah, we we need to just tip the box out and just put back all the good bits. All right, Goran, thank you for your time. Thank you so
4: much, guys. Yep, no worries. Cheers, buddy.
1: Take care. Thanks, Goran. Goran, he always opens up a box of worms, doesn't (laughs) he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no,
2: that's true enough. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, valid points that he keeps bringing up. Um, so with the Men's Night Series uh, today, we've got there are four groups, eight groups, yeah. six groups. Six groups, group A to F. Uh, tonight we've got...
1: Um, can can I just interrupt there because I want to get my next guest on. Go on then. So I want to go a quick break and now I'll come back with Simon Hicks. You bet. All right.
4: Oh, don't run.
1: Oswest Fencing and Raw is a fourth generation family business. Bring us about your custom Sorry, gate and fence projects. We
7: everything. can manufacture,
1: install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Raw tyne. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. Now I You're listening to Community Radio, powered by passionate football volunteers, just like myself. You can appreciate the entertainment by becoming a station member. Hi, I'm Phil Kelly, chair of the Football West Men's State League
5: Standing Committee. Listen in next for Western Australian Local Football News.
2: And welcome back to the World Football Program yeah, on the 7.9 the
1: second, Radio Fremantle. The second promo I put on didn't even load up. It did. Oh. <laughs> Never mind. That's that's the, 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 <laughs> the, beauty, the beauty of live radio. radio. <laughs> All righty. Um, as I said, joining us now is Simon Hicks, who is the GM at Perth Red Star. So um, good morning, Simon. How are you?
5: Morning, Sean.
1: Morning, Hugh. I'm uh, very well, Thank you. Thanks for having us on. No, no. Thank you for coming on. Um, I suppose. Look, at, everyone looks at it and go. It makes absolute sense that the the best developer of um, young young male footballers is in a relationship with the club that's developed probably the most young female footballers through to professional and to national standards. So, um, it's a it's a marriage that was always on the cards, I imagine, but it wouldn't have been an easy thing to do. And from behind the scenes, um, having been through some similar stuff myself with club name changes and um, associations with other clubs, uh, it's a it's a nightmare as far as your constitution goes and all of that sort of thing and, and getting everybody on board. So I'd be interested how that process worked out for you. Yeah, no, you're right. It's, it's a, it's
5: a um, long sort of uh, off Field process you have to go through, and of course, there's lots of on-field stuff as well in terms of um, your football structures at the club and how they sort of integrate. Um, but you're right; there is, there is a lot of constitutional stuff and that goes through uh, various departments, and in, 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 as well as Football West and Football Australia in, in changing club names and logos and that sort of thing. Yeah, um, but I think everyone of the two clubs was very uh, committed to the outcome, which, um, as you said before, was a, a sort of Perfect, perfect marriage of, of the two clubs um, that, have, that have developed both male and female players over the past um, few decades here in Perth.
1: Mm, absolutely, and you know I think the the one thing that's done is both both names were synonymous with development, and you know I personally never thought that Redbacks would give up that no. moniker label so yeah. so quickly and so easily, uh, and then as much as the the name joined up ECU. May not be um, as dynamic as Red Star. Um, it was just interesting that you were able to get rid of that. And I'm just looking at the the social posts. There's a lot of people who are bitterly disappointed. And I've and I've dealt with those people in EGMs and AGMs and um, special meetings, so that you know the I know how passionate people get about the club's history, the club's name, and the the. Even even the logo is people people do want to die in a ditch over it. So just how did you win those people over? Yeah,
5: yeah. Look, I, I fully fully understand that, and people you know are very committed to, to these football clubs. They mean uh, an awful lot. I think that's what it has shown is that these, these football clubs mean an awful lot to a lot of people, um, which is a, which is a good thing. Um, and it's about managing um, both sides of that because, as you as you say, um, Redbacks are, and and DCU has has a proud history and. And I guess our, our job is not to forget that and just just because we're, we're changing names but the long history um, of people associated with the clubs of the, the players that have come through um, that that's not forgotten just because we've we formed uh, Fred Star, and, and the history protecting the history of two clubs going forward mm. um, is something we're absolutely committed to um, and that hasn't been lost at all yeah. um, it's just the next chapter in the, in the,
1: in the um, you know book of those two clubs yeah, look, and it's not as simple as just sucking in an extra few members and then just change, changing the, the label on the bottle. There's no. a whole range of other things that have got to be done. You know, the one body's got to basically fold into the other. So they've got a constitution that would have had to have wound up that particular club. Um, you've got a constitution that would have been amended to change the name and to, um, to incorporate these people. Um, and then having done that that's also fraught with with danger i know again and um if your constitution isn't sound and you don't have good structures you can at some point have um someone come and try and and tip out your current board and replace it with a board of their own making and and that can from my own personal experience get very very ugly
2: yeah 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 look at the uh...
5: Yeah, these processes of changing constitutions are, are literally through the letter. I mean, it's just, just to give you an insight into, into something we had, um, I mean, in, in our application, you know, we, we had, had queries over whether the name was, um, you know, Perth Red Star Football Club Inc. or Perth Red Star Football Club Inc. with a full stop after it. These are the sort <laughs> yes. of questions you know, you're getting from, from these departments. So, you know, this is the level to it. And, and I suppose, you know, with constitutions, you have to get things absolutely spot on because yeah. um, as you say, um, you know these, these things have to be done
1: correctly. So that's the you know the level to which these things are looked at. And then the, it's got to tie into your ABN, and then it's also the the club yeah. seal needs to be changed, and and even the the governing body. I, I noticed from the results last night that ACU um, Joondalup beat. Um, Grow up, Croatia. So, you know, even that hasn't happened the right way round. You know, the the name should should be Perth Red Stars from now. I saw
2: that it had the uh, the Red Star logo, but it was still ECU Junjela. Yeah, it's listed as the team. Well, the well, right? I mean, the easiest well, we, thing uh, to change. Hmm.
5: Yeah, well, I mean, we, we committed to to playing uh, the night series competitions under the the original name. So, oh, okay. so that
2: explains it, right?
5: So, so I guess so. These night series competitions are essentially the, the last um, the last matches of, of those two chapters, you know, the ECU yeah. Juniors and, and Northern Redbacks, and it'd be a nice way to sort of send off those those names as, as the yes. club, um, you know, round out the night series comp and then when the NPL start, we'll both play under that new banner.
2: So where will both clubs play? Uh, will they be playing at, uh, up at ECU? And around, I, yeah. I, I noticed that uh, your press release, it's hinted that you'd be looking to move to the um, new state football centre in Queen's Park. Is that likely to occur as well?
5: Uh, oh, we, we, okay, so a couple of things So the first thing is, yeah, both uh, our men's and women's NPL teams Will be playing at the same venue uh, Which is um, at, up at ECU, uh, mm-hmm. Um That was a really big part of that Was, was to put um, our men's and women's teams on, on exactly the same, the same playing field That was really important Yes um, And so, yeah, and that means for the Redbacks You know, they get access to those improved um, facilities up at, up at ECU Which is great um, just on, I think that the quote was that we we were looking for a venue similar to that, um, sort of a similar in in uh, functionality to that of the state football centre. Oh, Center, I see. Um, which yeah. We yeah. certainly wouldn't be we we wouldn't be moving to the state football centre. I don't think would let us do that. But
1: um, uh, yeah, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll maybe, maybe they would. Along both maybe they would, Simon. But the it's whether or not the membership would allow it, because I would imagine that most of your membership would be based north of the river and playing out of Queens Park would <laughs> be something just going. Nah, that's not happening, mate.
5: Yeah, look, I mean, we. Um, I think that was that was part of it as well. Is, is when we we went to become a, a Perth Red Star, you know, instead of a Dundeel Red Star or a Northern Red Star or something yep. along those lines. Was that you know we are we are trying to be a Perth club. You know, we have um, kids that travel from up and down the states to um, to come and, and play for us, um, which is a good thing. Um, but yeah, the, the home the home that we're looking for would would be Northern Suburbs because I think yeah. you know, that's important um, in terms of the history of the two clubs and that they are um, you know, Northern Suburbs clubs and that won't be forgotten.
1: And strategically, is this kind of setting yourselves up to be um, one of the contenders for the second second division national league? If and when, if and when?
5: Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the club has a, a lot of ambition, um, and and national national competitions are certainly part of that vision that we have um, yeah. for the future. Um, so I wouldn't, certainly wouldn't rule anything out and um, I think the national second division would be a good thing for, for football in this country yeah. um, and if we can be a part of that then that would be fantastic.
1: And um, I suppose the other thing, when we're thinking, just thinking through it constitutionally and, and also through um, the, the business of the club and and you know, you're one of the few clubs that have this problem, is that the um, training compensation that comes from those players that move overseas or have contracts, there would still be some um, agreements that were still running out there where the club would be picking up some money from the players that they have progressed through to a professional standard. So um, that would be also a, a, a nightmare to try and yeah. line up.
5: Oh, well, yeah, but it's a nice, nice problem to have. Oh um, <laughs> no, no look,
1: and, and, you know. and I, I totally agree with you. I think you know, look, and I said this to our, our own club president not so long back that if, if I was looking at developing players to a professional standard, so that you could actually develop them to take pick up overseas contracts, women is where it's where it's at. Yeah. Um, the, the. the League in England is just where the money's at, but the, the whole of Europe is now really taking an interest in in women's football and Australian female footballers, um, thanks to the likes of Sam Kerr, have been taken very seriously abroad.
5: Mm. And quite rightly. I mean, yeah. we're, we're yeah. all very, very excited about, about what um, the women's game will, will go to in the next years, especially with the prospect of a, of a World Cup here. Yes. Um, that's something incredibly exciting. Um, and we're really looking forward to seeing that grow. Um, that will
1: hopefully and, and surely come um, in the women's game. Yes, no, no. Look, I think that's um, the the women's World Cup is a great opportunity for us to. to we 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 lost it before with the Asian Cup, and uh, we did make enough of of that momentum. Oh. And I think you know we've we've really got to to make the most of this. And when you look at the players coming through, there um, yeah, we, we've got. Some great players out there already in in Sam, obviously, but then you, you've got Hannah Lowry coming through and a few others. And you know, we need to be promoting and, and pushing those women, but we also need to be learning how to develop those players. And you know, we're just our last guest, Goran, was talking about junior development and you know how we're not producing the players we used to, particularly goalkeepers. But um, you know, that's I suppose that's where you guys come in.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's a lot of opportunity there um, in the in the women's game in terms of development. Um, and, and that's why this this uh, you know, merged to the third register where we can share those resources, all those coaches, all that knowledge that's in, in the game can be shared between the two clubs. That can only be a good thing from our perspective.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, at the moment, you're an incorporated club with uh, members and a board and everything else. Is there a thought at some stage that you would look at that going into a more professionalised um, owners' cooperative type arrangement or are you happy with it the way it is?
5: Oh, look, I mean, in terms of... I think we've done enough governance for a a lifetime. From my point of view, this this and those sort of stuff, um, I'd quite like to just start focusing on on the football now, which is what we get to do, because we've we've picked off all of those, um, you know forms and, and various processes that we've had to do um, you know I enjoyed watching watching in Eastview last night it's a good result for us and yeah, it's nice. It's nice that we, we now get to start to reap the rewards of all those processes and just
1: focus on the football. Yeah, and I suppose look, the, the other thing is um, just the, the change of name. In you know, he said the night series are going to be playing under ECU June Junala, but um, come the season, it's going to be very difficult to to then come up with with the Perth Red Star. I suppose one of the questions underlying that is why Perth Red Star.
5: Yeah, I, mean, I guess um, I think that the first part of it was Perth, was which we we discussed. We, we wanted yeah. a, a Perth identity, um, which you know potentially going forward with our with our ambition would be more relevant than a, than a June block or a Northern identity if we were playing on on the national stage. Yeah, um, Red, Red Star, I, I saw obviously we got a, a big big reaction and, and there was you know suggestions we were involved uh, politically with certain things. Well, obviously that that's clearly not the case. Yeah, yeah. Uh, both clubs have their, their affiliation with the colour of red. Um, obviously, with uh, with red backs and with Et playing in red, um, so that was um, something. Um, but it's really just um, got people talking about about our game and about you know the name. It's it's a, a different one. It's not just a you know suburb city suburb United. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No. But it's just something different. It gets people talking about um, our
1: game, which I think is a good thing. Oh, no, look, and I think, you know, globally, it's um, to, to go Perth was a, was a much better option, and particularly if you are looking at a, a home venue, um, which needs to be a, a proper, for want of a better word, home of football. And my, my opinion is that every single club is is their own individual home of football. Um, so, you know, to so have a ground that's that's dedicated to the sport and is um if it's not individually owned at least exclusively used by the sport is a good thing um and you know by going away from a suburb name you you've actually got yourself a um a
2: more of a catchment yeah, zone.
1: a more of a catchment zone yeah. yeah but you know look it's just an interesting thing and i think a lot of people have said you know why perth red stars and um I don't know if that was the only option that you had or where you'd had other ones, you know, like Perth Future Stars or something like that, which probably would have been a uh, an option. But, yeah, no, no, when you think about it, you know, the history of both clubs, yeah, yeah. why not Perth Future Stars? But did that's it, just me.
2: Did that name go to a vote or was it uh, the board came out with that one? How, I think that's what Sean's asking. Yeah.
5: Okay, yeah, in terms of the process of how it came well, we must have looked at um, sort of a hundred different logos and lots of different names over the past, but yeah, it was it was voted on um, yep. at, at our general meetings that's, that's how these things occur and that's how these things get, get done. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a voting process.
2: on a, On a more jocular note, uh, the trophy cabinet, how is that going to be uh, shared? because the redbacks have had a fair amount of uh, success in their thirty year history. Uh, and Dundeelop well, have had a fair amount of success as well. So. And to add, to add to that, though, um, life members, life members, how? Yep, yeah. yeah. So they'll all yeah, be absolutely. rolled
5: over. I mean, yes, one hundred percent. It will. Mm-hmm. Um, we, um, we we're committed to doing that. That's an important part of, like I said, for protecting the history of both clubs. Um, I know um, Redbacks have the, their their two hundred club, which they're very proud of in terms of players. I've mm-hmm. played over two hundred matches for them, um, cause, you know, that's mainly mm-hmm. because of that. Culture and the way they retain um, players, and people want to keep going back, and, and that's why that's important to carry that forward. Um, I must say, there's a fair few trophies to, to carry across from the, from the Northern Red Bay days. So they've won plenty of league titles, which um, you know, in terms of trophies and that sort of thing. Um, and they've got a clubhouse full of um, full of memorabilia, which um, is an important part of, of the history. Yep. But you know we're hoping um to see more under the birth register name as we go forward. yeah,
1: no, look, absolutely. I think it's, um, as I said right at the start, it's one of those um marriages that makes all the sense in the world um to have it all in one area. We're a great thing. I think the it's visionary to to go away from being tied to a a suburb. um and look, it's um it's a bold move. It's just that you know you' having been through, Something similar myself. We we've. I'm perfectly aware of all of the the background stuff that needs to happen, and the constitutional alignment, and the the constitutional changes that need to to go through the membership. And it's just, you know, when you've got two very passionate groups. That um, there's always going to be disgruntled individuals who, in this day and age, have the internet to vent on, but um, are are people that are not there—the people that will criticise the club at at every opportunity without ever once helping it. So, you know, I I get it, and there's a lot of people there that have played in these clubs for an awful long time, who will be asking why. But you know, look—it's very important that all the, the. the I's are dotted and all the T's are crossed because it is, as you are well aware, uh, a legal and not- constitutional nightmare.
5: Yeah, I mean, just just on, I mean, there's obviously nothing um, wrong with, with people voicing opinions about the game. Yeah. I think if everyone agreed, it would be very boring and we fully <laughs> understand that the, yeah. the names mean a lot to, to a lot of people. Um, and it's good, um, you know, that people are talking about the game and people do care. That's what it has shown.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. No, look, and every, everything could be made to a positive look. I think what you've done is really good, really brave, and uh, hopefully, as you said, we'll see Red Star making um, waves across the, the world with the players that they're going to send out in the next few years. So, uh, thank you for your time, Simon. No problem, guys. Thank you. Thanks,
5: Sean. Thanks for having me on. There's thank you.
1: Trouble anytime, Simon. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Hugh, you were talking earlier about the night series.
2: I've changed that. You've changed
1: that. You've gone away from that. (laughs)
2: Fair enough. I can get it back. No, that's Uh, all right. We've got a few games on tonight. Um, Mum versus Canning. Uh, Gosnells versus Forestfield United. Crazy uh, domain stadium at Hartfield Park. Uh, Kickoff at five. Uh, We've also got a couple of games on at uh, Wanneroo. Quinns versus Kingsley Westside. Joondalup United against Wanneroo City. And then tomorrow... It's uh, a couple of games down at Hay Park, Curtin Uni versus Rockingham, five o'clock kickoff. Mandra City versus the Southwest Phoenix. The well, not quite the distance derby, the the, the, the Peel derby. Yeah, uh, at a seven o'clock kick off. So good luck to Southwest getting back in time for work tomorrow uh, on Monday. That's, that's yeah, but that's it's been the same for
1: teams. Yeah, that, uh, you know, Curtin Unions had to go down yeah. there, so yeah, it's have. the same for them.
2: Yeah, and and we've spoke with Southwest Phoenix last year. They yeah. they normally bring up a bus full of everybody, so that's yeah. going to be good news for them. And then uh, Percy Dual Reserve, we. Um, uh, Karama Shamrock Rovers against Dianella White Eagles and Ashfield against UWA. That's the 7 o'clock kickoff. Uh, that's on Sunday at Percy Door Reserve. No worries. Um, a lot of football out there. Oh, yeah. If you're not involved, get involved. That's it. There's um, a out there. Go and, go and have a look at it.
1: Yeah, look, I've, I've just recently taken up walking football. Good for um, you. Yeah, Monday nights, at Ashfield 6.30. If you're interested, come down and give it a crack. It's a yep. bit of fun. We've got um, a
2: subudio player who's been picked for the Australian side, so hopefully he's off to uh, Zurich. Right excellent. On this year for who's the that? Australian World Walking. So he's part of the Australian Walking Football team at the World Cup of Walking Football.
1: Well, marvellous. So yeah, look, it's it's great exercise, but uh, great bunch of fellas, and just a bit of fun if you if you fancy it, come down. Um, Are you still
2: doing the Man versus Fat?
1: Uh, that's been postponed. It, it, the university let it go. <laughs> um, so you Coburn are taking it up, but with COVID restrictions, and everything else at the moment, they're That's a looking not it down to Coburn? Uh, it's not really. It's, mm. No, it's, it's not not a big drive for me. So look, it's good fun. I get to play in the same team as my son, so it's it's. You know, for me, it's a social outlet and yeah, looking forward to it. Hopefully, that will start up in late February, March. Um, but yeah, that will be another, there'll be twice a week. I'm exercising on my, my overdose on it. Um, <laughs> no, look, it's playing football. That's the important thing. Get out, enjoy it, be in the game. If you're, if you're not physically um, fit and you're a little bit old and a little bit fat, which is me in a nutshell,
2: um, get out there and have some fun with it. It is a good laugh. There's a game for everyone, there's a, there's a game to referee for everyone as well.
1: Yeah, well, we, we managed to self-referee, but if you want to come down and blow the whistle in it, Hugh, please do. this. No, no, there's quite a few people that are breaking it with a bit of a run who need a whistle, mate. All righty, <laughs> thank you for listening. Penny will be back next week. Uh, or is it you, Hugh? I think Good it might question. be you. Good I think question. it might be you. But anyway, the show will be back on next week with a well-credentialed host. That's all that matters. Thank well, you for listening. It <laughs> Len- Lenny will be on with the jazz show next. So uh, we'll see you another day.
4: Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Program
0: on Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM.